V-O-P-P, the greatest podcast in the galaxy. We are back, and it has been a long, long time. The family was away last week in Florida, cooking in the Florida Orlando sun, walking five miles per day, seven miles on Thursday, baking, cooking, going on rides, waiting in line, waiting in line, good times. But we're back with my next guest, my buddy JB. He and I went to high school, the Columbia High School, South Orange Maplewood, together. He and I sat next to each other. We played trumpet together. Sat next to each other every day in school from my sophomore year to my senior year. He has lived an extraordinary, <laughs> oh my God, bananas stories, ladies and gentlemen, bananas stories. B- prepare yourself, strap yourself in, click that seatbelt into place, and please enjoy this ride. Before we get started, two things. The first thing is I have a online solution that I use for cell phones that we just tried out today for recording calls. And it works phenomenally, phenomenally for five minutes. And then it dies. So JB and I first start talking using this. And his voice is beautiful, wonderful, amazing, clear. And so is my voice. And we try that a couple of times. And then it just, I give up. And then we go to old school with the speakerphone and the recording device on my cell phone. So the quality for the second half isn't as great as it is for the first half. But I think either way that you'll enjoy it. The second thing is the gorilla asked me to not use his, his name. And his name was used a few times during the podcast. So I beeped it out. So you may hear a few beeps during the pod. Don't sweat it. Enjoy it. Allow me to welcome again my friend, my pal, my buddy, JB, also known as HP, also known as Honey Pie. Hello. Hello. Oh, his name is JB and the place to be. He went to Seton Hall University. Jeez, <laughs> uh, I thought you were going Fruity Pebbles on me. For <laughs> if I use the Fruity Pebbles, I'd have to say your full name. So. <laughs> What's up, man? What's up, man? Ah, it's been a long time. I know, man. Has, I, I, don't, I probably haven't seen you probably since his birthday. Yeah, the gorilla's birthday. That's right. Yep, yep. That's right. So that's been like, wow, that's two years now. That's two years ago, yeah. Holy cow. Yeah, I didn't get a chance to see you when I was there a few months ago. I think I was there in May. Would you just come home and visit family? Uh, no, I actually just came home to visit him. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, it just was like, I, you know, I got to go. We were talking about it. And I called him. I was like, dude, man, I miss you. I got to come back, man. This is ridiculous. Awesome. So we just got to put it together. Nice, nice. It's good, man. Yeah. How you been? Everything all right? Yeah, everything's good. We just got back from Disney. We were there for a week. We took the kids. Oh, it was, good Lord. I'm know. so sorry. Are you okay? <laughs> I'm on vacation right now, as we speak. Yeah. I, I just started my vacation. Kids are you back. You need a vacation after that. Oh, my God. That's exactly right. I mean, it was, you know, it's, what is it right now? It's like, I walked outside, it was 26 degrees. When we left Disney, it was like 85 degrees. So, and yeah. I'm uh, you and me are on opposite ends of the spectrum. You're like Mr. Cold Weather. I'm like 
get me as hot as as possible, please. I can't take the cold weather at all. I hear you, man. But down there, man, I was I was down at Disney a couple times for work, uh, for sports, and you know we kind of hung out at Disney a little bit here and there at the Universal. And I was like, oh, God, I was like, this place, just all the lines and like all the ridiculousness. I, I mean, oh. overloaded on Harry Potter. My wife said to me, hey, I just remember it being so magical for me. Where's the magic? Like, yeah, you're an adult. That's why. <laughs> you know, the magic is gone. You're like, oh, more of that crap. It's that, and it's like now you're dividing the magic amongst amongst like millions of people now. Whereas before, the population was a lot smaller. You could go on rides more. Now it's like, I realize I, I spent a lot of time waiting, waiting That's to get all on it is. Thirty percent yep. of your day is waiting, ba- waiting and baking in the sun. That's exactly yeah, right. exactly, and the humidity. I mean, just oh. dehydrating slowly. <laughs> <laughs> and then the siren just as you get to the ride the siren goes off there's a thunderstorm in the vicinity everybody Uh-oh. out and you're like oh now i gotta start over and then hey you want to be in the high express lane you can get right on it only costs three thousand dollars per person you're like oh hey i think i'll just sit in the sun and die we live by bowcraft so it's so crazy bowcraft no it's funny but <laughs> You laughing, but eighty percent of the rides at Disney are at Bowcraft. Love Bowcraft. I <laughs> Always have loved Bowcraft. I love the arcade at Bowcraft until I was like thirty-three. <laughs> For the people who don't know, who aren't from the Maplewood, South Orange, Montclair area, Bowcraft is like. How would you describe Bowcraft? Uh, Bowcraft is. Um, I would say it's kind of like the, you know, the poor man's Disney. You know, I mean, I, I guess we could call it. It's just a, a very small family owned and operated little fun park with, you know, kind of, it's got, you know, kiddie rides, you know, but it also has some fun stuff. It's got a cool arcade. It's got mini golf, you know, yeah. do they still have the little car track that goes oh, around the yeah. perimeter Which, of the whole thing? Hey. They also have at Disney. My dad, my son is like, Dad, 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 let's go on that ride. I'm like, dude, we have that. We have those cars like five minutes from our house. Why do you want to yeah. two-hour line here when we can go there in two seconds? Yeah, we've flown to Florida, okay? You're going on <laughs> something different, kid. Now get in the car. Let's go. <laughs> what a trip. What a trip. Uh, I hear you, man. I, I've, I'm down there a few times a year for sports, and it's just like, oh, my God. I mean, I was doing – I, I was doing world champions down there and the, the temperature was so hot. Like they lasered the, the turf that we were working on and it was 140 degrees. Oh my God. So Did ridiculous. You, down there. 40? What's 140 degrees on the turf? Cause it just absorbed. All right. Not quite sure what happened there. <laughs> technical difficulties in the studio. <laughs> I'll tell you one thing. This, the solution that I'm using right now, this is the first time I'm using the solution. It sounds 10 times better than the other one that I was using to record people who were not sitting next to me. All but right. uh, we'll, we'll see how, how, we, how the line stays up. Maybe there's only a five-minute Yeah, this <laughs> feels like Disney, limit. man. Like, I feel like I'm waiting in line again. Oh, my God. All right. So let All me right. get to some questions. All right. First question for you. <clears throat> Uh, did you get a chance to listen to any of the other podcasts? 
I got a chance to listen to, I think, what was the first podcast where you were okay. uh, talking about the grandmother and the chicken on the train, you know, that, <laughs> that, that, that stuff, uh, basketball, you know, that thing. Oh, okay. I got you. I, I think that was the first one because that was the one he immediately called me about. Yeah, no, that that was actually the seventh one I've done. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, really? Yeah, 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 oh, yeah. Oh, I, I didn't even have a chance to listen to any of the other ones. Oh, man. No, that's fine. I was just curious to to know how you felt, how you, what were your thoughts about it, <laughs> about uh, the gorilla? Well, I mean, listening to, to number seven, uh, I, I didn't get a chance to hear the others, uh, which I'm looking forward to listening to. You know, it's so funny, like, just to hear him, you know, talk about himself. He's so nervous and so anxious about everything. Like, he, you know, the nervous laughter. He's like, uh, I don't know if I can should answer that right now. And like, you know, it's like he's so suspicious about everything. It's so crazy. <laughs> but then once you get him talking about the story, then he and it's like it gets um, all tender. And he's talking about his grandmother and all yeah. these beautiful stories and you know where he gets his personality and his love and you're just like what the hell is this <laughs> bro this is not this is not you look let's get to the real stuff man let's get back exactly. to the anxiety bro let's start talking exactly. about what's really going on <laughs> i told him we would get it i, w- I didn't want to kill him on the the first pod but i'll, no, I'll no, we'll no. get there we'll eventually get there with him yeah no, he, he knows he, he knows yeah, yeah, yeah. So let me ask you a question. What day were you born and what time were you born? I was born a uh, Wednesday, uh, okay. December 8th, 1976 at 11.59 p.m. Okay. So I was born a – if you were born Wednesday, then I was born on Thursday, December 9th Ho-ho! at 11.59 a.m. <laughs> No kidding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Awesome, man. <laughs> Ready to go. So uh, the, there's one thing I always wondered is, like, why the doctors, and you, you have the same question then, why did the doctor not give me the minute? You know, why didn't he give you midnight? Why didn't he give me noon? <laughs> well, I had specifically requested that I wanted my <laughs> day to be on the same day that uh, <clears throat> John Lennon was shot, but the day that we declared war on Japan. You know, and oh my the god! Of the immaculate conception. So I mean, you know, he was doing me a favor. <laughs> I got you. I got you. Now I got to check. I have no clue what happened on the day I was born. Now I got to um, check. Yeah, a few things. December eighth just has a, a lot of things to it. But however, I was uh, I was uh, was not on schedule. I was um, I was born almost two months premature. Oh, wow. Yeah, I was uh, all of a sudden, uh, I went into distress. Like, and when I was born, I was three pounds, eight ounces, and I was premature, and there was all kinds of problems. And, you know, my lungs oh, were underdeveloped, shit. so they put me in the incubator. And uh, when they put me in there, and this is 1976, mind you, you know, so the technology right. wasn't exactly, you know, it was all just kind of like midwives and, you know, medieval practices. You know, when they when they pulled me out, they kind of threw me in the incubator and they started, you know, watching me for the next couple of days because my lungs weren't uh, fully formed and I had some breathing difficulties. But they started measuring my head and they're like, dude, your your head isn't growing normally. And it turns huh. out that the uh, the plates in the back of my head, like you know, the sagittal plates of your head, the soft plates when you're born were fused in the back. So my head was growing you know, forward and elongated instead of, you know, out and full for your brain to develop. 
So they quickly got to the problem, cracked my head open, put a separator in, and were oh, able to fix the problem. Shit. If I would have gone full term, I would have been dead. Holy shit. So wow. it was, uh, you know, it was just, just shy of a miracle there that uh, things happened the way they did. Otherwise, I, I wouldn't be here. Was, were you born premature for another reason? All like, of a sudden, um, no, just labor happened. Like, just okay. all of a sudden, my mom didn't feel well, and she said there's something wrong. She went to the hospital, and they said, no, you're, you're going into labor. We're doing this. And, wow. it was, it was, and it was, you know, and then I was C-section, you know, because they felt that there was something in distress. I mean, because of, uh, because of my heart rate or whatever, something was wrong, and they decided to go, and they, and they pulled me out. Holy shit. Holy shit. So, yeah, actually, crazy. Wow. Wow. So I actually have no um so we know each other from are you still there? Yeah. Okay, good. I got scared. No, no, no. <laughs> um we know each other from band. So we sat next to, we played trumpet together and we sat next to each other basically for three I moved to uh the town my sophomore year. So from sophomore year to my senior year, your junior year. We sat next to each other, basically. I don't know every day, basically for band. Yeah, five. every 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 day, first period. I mean, every yep. single day. That's right. That's right. So I don't. What's interesting though is I don't know anything about y your extended family. Like, did you have brothers and sisters? Um, actually, first question: What were your parents like? Well, uh, let's see. Well, I mean, originally I was. Um, well, when when I was born, I I had two parents uh, the normal way. I had the the original family unit. Um, yep. uh, my father. Uh, well, we'll get we'll talk about my mother first because my mother's easy. Uh, my mother, uh, she literally grew up and and was was raised in South Orange. Get you know, out of here. Yeah, most of my family comes like for for the last two two to three generations lived in Newark and then eventually South Orange. And so your mom went orange. to columbia uh my mother went to mary lawn first mary lawn of the oranges yep. private uh catholic girls school and then transferred to columbia for her junior and senior year got it got it uh yeah and uh and all of our family lived within the south orange area and uh east orange orange and newark um and you know she was uh you know she was just a, she was a really hard worker because she got you know she got married to my dad who was um who had just come, well, she met him when they when he had just come back from Vietnam, um, which is what he claimed, okay. uh, and uh, you know and had some problems. Uh, was um, was a like a self abusive and self destructive alcoholic, um, and but was trying to fix his life. Okay, so they got married. Uh, she was going to be a homemaker. Uh, she didn't go to college. And they got uh, they got married, um, and all of a sudden, you know, I was born. And when I was, I think it was very close to my uh, second or third birthday. It's it's one of those because I'm it, things get a little cloudy with that time, especially with both of them. Um, he went out for cigarettes and never came back, mm. and uh, and totally disappeared. So my mother, um, you know, was just left with you know what's going on. I don't understand. She tried to find him, couldn't find him. Tried to call his family. His family was kind of lying for him and kind of hiding him at the time. Wow. And uh, so she was forced to uh, to raise me alone there for a few years um, up until I was about, you know, almost six years old. Uh, and she worked as a, a secretary. Uh, she worked, you know, doing all things on the side. 
Um, you should do, did secretarial work for, for law firms and worked for all different companies, odd jobs and was kind of a hustler to make yep. it work. Yeah. Wow. No, no, no. I was just, uh, uh wow. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Was but, it, anyway, but she was, was it uh, just, she, it was just you two though. I, you didn't have any like little brothers or anything. No, no. I was an only child originally. Okay. Um, yeah. So, it, but as the story goes later on, you know, she, uh, a traveling salesman came to the door, uh, she met him and, uh, they hit it off and they started dating. Um, he started to hang around more and more. He was from Maplewood. He lived on Elmwood <laughs> Avenue. Oh my God! Uh, yeah, <laughs> just just up the street from the Ward Homestead at the time, which That's is now right. Winchester Gardens. But uh, anyway, he uh, and then they started to date, and then eventually they got married in 1982. Um, and then uh, just a couple of months later, my sister was born. Wow! Wow! Yeah, which so is cool. Do you have any memories of the early years, like before? your stepfather came into the picture? I do. Yeah, actually, actually I do. Yeah. And, and it, this was, this was probably, you know, four and five years old. Like, you know, I don't really know if I can remember th that much earlier, you know, I mean, okay. real solid memories, but I, but I do, I mean, I have, uh, I had a lot of memories of us together. She drove okay. a six, she drove a 68 Camaro hardtop. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> uh, which was really cool. Um, you know, it was fun to me and she really loved the car. I mean, she used to take me everywhere. I used to go to work uh, with her a lot. Um, I spent a lot of time, you know, with my grandmother when she had to work. That time, that was my fault. <laughs> All right. No problem. I had to run a few errands anyway, man. So no big deal. Thanks. I appreciate that. Some work to take care of. I touched the stupid screen on my phone too close. There's like a stop button on the phone. Everything's so, so damn sensitive. Good Lord. Yeah. Locked on or something. Oh. Gosh. Okay. So, so the question is, what happened to Dad, your biological father? Yeah, he. Um, it's 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 shrouded in lies, um, which I have spent a lot of my life trying to figure out and track down through a lot of different people. Okay. Um, and really, it it comes down to um, he's he's bipolar. Uh, he was a destructive, self destructive alcoholic. Uh, still is, um, you know, obviously things are different cause he's a lot older now. He's 72. Um, but, and, and there's, there are circumstances that he's can't control right now, which is terrible, but, um, but he, yeah, he, um, would just kind of disappear uh, from everybody, uh, from his own family, from everybody that he loved. And he was really, he would get manic, you know, and would be, get, he would get really, really positive and be really, really good, really good. And then would get really down. And then that would lead to him disappearing. And he disappeared, you know, for good, pretty much um, for my mother, just one day, just wow. decided to uh, just to get up and leave and ultimately hid with his mother, like his mother was lying for him and, and hid him in the house. Um, and they lived in Clifton, New Jersey. Okay. So he was he was living there. Um, and my mother didn't know where he was. And uh, neither did anybody else. And a lot of his friends, my mother really tried everything she could to track him down because she originally was going to the feelings of, you know, what happened? You know, what can we do? You know, can I help? I don't understand what's happening. And then he, he just never resurfaced. So she pretty much started to move on. Um, and he was gone for a long time until I was a teenager, until I was about 13. And he was missing in action. And my mother tried to um, 
paint an honest picture of him, um, you know, but still just being somewhat compassionate saying, you know, he's your father, you know, he was, he was a good guy. And we got married, you know, she told me everything about their courtship and their marriage and the wedding. And I saw pictures and everything. And so she did paint somewhat of a, you know, a decent picture, but then also told me the truth and that this is what's happening. And I'm so sorry. I can't believe this is happening to you. And then it became, you know, your father's a real shithead. You know, I'm so sorry. Like, I can't believe this you know, uh, as, as I got older. I got you. I got you. However, she, yeah. she became like, she always had those feelings, but she just kept them. Yeah, she her. didn't want to ruin it for me. Um, and also I had a stepfather who was living with me who, was uh he he was also he was a marine um and you know didn't you know didn't spend any time in combat or anything but was very militaristic and uh wanted and he also had uh three kids of his own you know before then and had a family in maplewood Holy um, shit. yeah he had he had children when he was 20 and 21 and, and 22 like you know and all of a sudden had three kids and they were older so when i was young when he was dating my mother and when they got married they were all teenagers, wow. you know, and older, you know, so and they came and lived in our house. They came and moved in with us in South Orange. Holy shit. Yeah. So all of a sudden I was bombarded with, you know, this brand new, you know, sense of, of family, you know, this huge bunch. And then also my sister was born. So now there was a baby in the house. Right. Um, and so that was going on. So, you know, it was, it was a little confusing for me. Cause I was like, whoa, whoa, wait, wait a minute. This wasn't in the brochure. What, what happened here? You know, I, all of a sudden I'm thrown into this new situation and, uh, and yeah, so he was gone. And then my stepfather moved in and my, my mother just said, you know, this is, this is what it is. You know, um, you know, I'm getting married. I love this man. And he was, you know, and, and all of a sudden we just started to, to live our lives and I was getting older and, I bonded somewhat with some of my step siblings, you know, okay. which was which was good. Um, one of them, um, my stepsister, was a little. She went to Columbia, and she was a little distant, so I wasn't as close with her. But uh, the other, the two guys, um, his two sons, I actually, you know, got along with. They kind of treated me very nicely, um, okay. and and it was a good experience, you know. But uh, but yeah, but my father was gone. Uh, didn't really know much about him until I was about 13. Um, and I just had this step family, this strange step family living with me who was nothing like me personally. I mean, oh, our really? pers personalities were totally different. My stepfather's personality was totally different and, and very different from my mother's because my mother and I are very much alike. And well, so how's, how's your mother to explain it to folks? Uh, to me, my <laughs> mother is as far as energy, humor, um, excitement, um, is very similar to me. Uh, very excitable. Oh, hell, of a, hell of a storyteller. She's okay. she's dirty. You know she's a uh, um, you know she's raunchy. Um, she's not afraid to to tell the truth and really is an entertainer at heart. She's a okay. musician. Uh, she's very musical, um, and loves that part of her life and wanted and really noticed um, the musical gene in me and wanted to develop that uh, and wanted to take part with that. Um, she was very, very personable, um, uh, you know, very, very honest with me, would always tell me the truth. She wouldn't hide things from me and would just kind of, you know, say, hey, you know, John, this is life, you know, and, you know, here we go. You know, this is this is what it is, you know, and really and really taught me a lot of lessons very early on. However, my mother is also crazy. Like she also <laughs> has a crazy 
um, sinister uh, mean streak, um, you know, just like any, any of us have, um, that mm-hmm. showed itself from time to time. And, um, and a- as great as she is, she does come with a crazy side. I mean, which is, which is, I saw things my mother do that I was just like, I didn't know women are capable of doing that. Oh, like, okay. Let's, let's hear, uh, cause I, I've told, you'll have to listen to them, but I've told plenty of crazy mom stories on my pod, um, sure. from my mother. So let's hear a crazy mom story from your childhood. Okay. Uh, we'll, we'll go with the, um. We'll, we'll go with, I'm going to have to fast forward to when I was about 16. Okay. Uh, because this is, this is one that kind of takes the cake for me. I and mean, there are others, but this one is fantastic. Uh, and then I'll, I'll give you a couple others, which are just, I could just explain it in a few seconds. But uh, I, had got it in, I had gotten into an argument uh, with her over stupid teenage stuff. You know, whatever it was, like, I can't go out tonight. Or, you know, I, I was getting my warning notices from Columbia from my teachers and you know, making excuses about why, why I wasn't, you know, fulfilling my potential, you know, uh, in school and everything. And, and we were arguing. And when we would argue, it would just be, you know, my stepfather would kind of back off and let us argue, you know, because he was like, I'm not touching that, you know, you know, you can discipline your own son. And, uh, and that happened and we would argue. And when I was getting older, um, I was a little more, so I developed that sarcasm and I developed that, you know, talking back to your parents bit. And I learned it from her, you know, I learned because she's very fast tongued and she's witty and quick. And that started to develop and I started to fire back and started to get into these, you know, real nasty, you know, quit matches with my mother. And she would get really, really mad, you know, because she just honestly, she couldn't do anything because we were just butting heads. And, you know, and she didn't have like the father disciplinarian to step in and support her, you know, at, you know, really the way it should be because it's a little unorthodox. And so we're arguing in the living room and, uh, you know, she would get mad and she ended up, um, you know, throwing things like she would pick up anything she'd get her hands on and start throwing at me and like would go to swing at me. And she, you know, would smack or punch or kick or do whatever she wanted to do just to try to level the playing field somehow. And, and, you know, and honestly, I had a comment, you know, I, I did, you know, there's nothing I can say. I mean, I was being an, I was being an asshole, you know, and she needed to put me in my place. So, and my sister was there and my sister was watching everything and she was crying and she was, you know, and go back here. Okay. Keep going. Okay. Uh, you want me to tell a story or just kind of talk? Oh no, that's good. Okay. Now you're good now. So. Do you remember where we left off? <laughs> I, I do, yeah. Okay, go ahead. So, you know, so we're arguing in the living room, and uh, and eventually, you know, and we there was some, some physical, uh, some you know, physical fighting that was going on between her and I, and it was, uh, it was just, it was pretty crazy, you know, and it got violent to the point where I was just like, you know, I'm out of here, this is crazy, I can't believe you're treating me like this, you know, when I really wasn't holding myself accountable, and I really wasn't, you know, realizing what I was doing. Uh, but I was, I was 16 and I decided, I was like, you know, I'm getting my shit and I'm out of here. You know, I'm leaving. So literally I ran upstairs and I grabbed my, my school backpack, threw in a change of clothes and some toiletries and all the money I had and like everything. And I walked out and I walked out the front door and I walked out onto Roland Avenue on South Orange, in South Orange. And I walked out in the street and I was all, you know, now I'm out. And I was like, you know, fuck this, man. You know, just kiss my ass. I'm out of here. You're never going to see me again. I'll show you this kind of stuff, whatever. And I had no clue where I was going. I, I didn't know what I was doing. And I had thoughts of uh, going to visit the gorilla. 
Okay. Uh, because you know, just down the street. And I was like, okay, you know, maybe I'll, maybe I'll do that. You know, he'll understand, you know, because we, you know, we were, we were close at the time, you know, and he understood a lot of what was going on in my house all the time. So I figured, and we had bonded on that, you know, but only the mother is the only person at home, you know, yep. both have, you know, crazy mothers in the household. So he, I figured he, that's an idea. He called it, he actually calls it the dead dad's club. <laughs> uh, well, you see, he has the dead dad's club. Right. Um, I subscribe to the uh, the FFAA, which is the Fake Fathers Association, <laughs> uh, because my father is still living. Uh, I have not graduated to the Dead Dads Club. He, had, it, but we have similar organizations, uh, and we have meetings and you know all, all kinds of get-togethers. But uh, but yeah, the Fake Fathers Association of America is very similar to the Dead Dads Club. We just uh, subscribe to different chapters. That's all. <laughs> That's something that we, yeah, we've, uh, we've had for, for some time, um, which, which is nice. There are two great organizations, uh, great charities attached to them. They join lots of money. You know, we, we do lots of fundraisers, but moving on. Uh, so, yeah, so that, that was happening. And uh, so I get halfway down the street. And as, you know, walking down the street, I hear the revving, a distant revving of an engine and a car like going you know somewhat fast and then i hear like a crash and it's my mom and my sister in her car backing out of our driveway as fast as she could and hitting the street you know because it was going downhill slightly so i heard the the rear bumper hitting the street and then going into the backwards k-turn and then i heard the gear shift into drive and i kind of registered that but i didn't look back and then I heard the revving of an engine, like a car accelerating really, really fast, way too fast. You're not supposed to do this in your car. And I'm in the middle of the street walking down the street. And I got my backpack on. I'm kind of huffing and puffing down the street. And all of a sudden, I hear the car, you know, getting closer and closer. And I turn back and sure enough, there's my mother and my sister sitting shotgun, you know, in the car and getting closer and closer. And the car is not stopping. And I'm like, whoa. I'm like, all right. So I kind of like kept going. I was kind of like trying to call her bluff. I'm like, you're not going to, you're not going to do what you think you're doing. You're not going to hit me with a car, you know? So I was just kept going down and then she got closer. I was like, actually, she's, she's going to hit me with the car. I was like, I better, I got to get out of the way. And I started to like trot a little to the right side of the street. And then she turned, you know, right, like veered right and started getting closer to me. And now she sped up and now she's going about 40, you know, 45 down Roland Avenue. I mean, you got to try to do that. And uh, she got close to the curb and literally I jumped. I almost had to dive. Like I stumbled on and she hopped up onto the curb and like swerved and tried to hit me. She was on the sidewalk, like almost hitting me with the car. And I dove out of the way. I ended up on the ground. And I turned. I was like, what the fuck is your problem? Oh, my God. And she was like, get in the car. And I was like, no, I'm not getting in the car. She was like, get in the car. You're going to get in the car. I'm going to hit you with the car. And I was like, what do you mean you're going to hit me with the car? I was like, you're not going to hit me with the car. This is bullshit. And she was like, do my responsibility. You're not 18. Get in the car. And I was like, I'm not getting in the car. And I kept walking. And then eventually I cut through backyards. And, like, you know, I could get away from where the car could go. And she pulled into somebody's driveway and got out of the car and started chasing me. <laughs> it's like and, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Oh dude, my it God. really was, man. You know, and it was crazy. But there weren't any girls in bikinis exactly. for me to say hello to. And there was no trampoline. There was nothing. You know, 
know, but like I was running through backyards and eventually I cut through some other street and I escaped. Uh, and then I eventually uh, visited the gorilla and we hung out for the evening. Uh, okay. Uh, I think I stayed over there that night and she kept calling. Like she knew I was there and she kept calling and eventually she went there. And, uh, and then eventually uh, the next day I ended up going back home and, you know, and it was horrible. Uh, because my mother was the was the king of the silent treatment. Like, oh you know, God. you're here, but I'm going to pretend like you're not here, you know, and, you know, you're not getting anything from me. And she's like, you need to be here, but I'm not, you're not getting anything from me. I just would just give it to me. So it was just, and then eventually I had, you know, as you, everybody calmed down, you had to try to get back to the graces. And eventually I would try to make conversation and, and then she would, you know, curse me out, tell me to shut the hell up and get out of her face and, and then, you know, and then would force me to do manual labor, you know, and then I said, all right, well, maybe there's a way back in. So I would do it. And then, you know, my stepfather would be like, you know, are you guys okay? Is, there, is everything all right? I'm like, no, it's not all right. I was like, your wife just tried to hit me with a car. Like, you know, that kind of stuff. And he was like, I don't know. It's your mother. You know, she's crazy. And I'm like, I'm like, all right. You know, and eventually, you know, you think that, but certain things would happen like that. Like I would come home and I wouldn't do things that I was supposed to do and I would come home and my clothes and all the all the articles in my room would be thrown out of my bedroom window and were lying on the backyard like you know just <laughs> my bedding my clothes my books my shoes you know all the things that were on my shelves all my decorations all my posters just thrown out of my window and just in the backyard laying in the garden and like on the stairs and she's like, yeah, go pick your shit up. Like, oh, okay. All right. Oh, my God. That reminds me of a time when my mother, I was the uh, I was the dishwasher in the house. I was the oldest sibling. So I was the dishwasher in the house. We didn't have a dishwasher um, for the longest time. And I, uh, I wasn't washing, the di- either not washing the dishes well enough or just like forgetting to wash the dishes. And she came home. She called me. And I think my little sister was born at the time, one of them called us into the kitchen she's like i can't deal with this anymore and she and with my mother we she would get like progressively higher and higher and higher and more agitated so it started out like what's up with these dishes in the sink and it went from like zero to like four thousand in two seconds she's like what's up with these dishes in the sink and i'm like well you know i didn't i don't give a shit (laughs) and then she opens the cabinet she sticks her whole arm in the cabinet and pulls all the dishes out onto the floor and breaks every single dish and every single glass that we have in the house. And we ended up eating with, um, remember those, like, you would eat, like, with paper plates and you would put them in, like, a wicker. It was, like, the size of a oh, plate. Yeah. yeah. The shell of a plate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We ate in those for, like, two years. <laughs> <laughs> She was at the head of the table. My stepfather was at the other head of the table. And we would start, like, she would be making an important point or saying something. And my sister and I would start laughing or we'd giggle, you know, and, yep. like, you know, just making fun of her, essentially, you know, but just, you know, jestfully, but at the same time being disrespectful. Right. And uh, and literally, she would pick up her plate of food and throw it at you. She, <laughs> I remember a couple, one time it was pot roast noodles and peas and just picked up the hot dish and just like the like the pie in the face version you know and just right at me you know and my sister too 
and Ooh. just, you know, and then started throwing stuff and then would pull the tablecloth off and everything would go on the floor, like, you know, that type of thing. And it'd be like, clean this up. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You know, I mean, really crazy. But, but then again, as you become an adult, you kind of understand a little bit. Now I don't have any kids, but you know, I can understand. I, I, you know, I can, I get it, you know, yeah. and it's your house. And if you want to destroy your shit, you can, you know, and, <laughs> and sometimes you're making a point, you know what I mean? And it's like, all right, maybe you need to, you bring the fire, you know, and show them you need business. I, I don't know what it is, but it always seems so irrational to me. And there were so many times where I just like would disappear from the house just because I'm like, dude, she's crazy. Yep. She's going to kill everybody. Like, you know, it's nuts. <laughs> But then he puts, but the thing is, is that, you know, without dishonoring, you know, uh, my mother, because my mother and I had very similar tracks in life. I mean, our, my path is very similar to hers is she was drinking at the time and okay. she was, she was an active alcoholic at the time, following right along in the family plans that we had all throughout our family. Right. Um, and she was, she was drinking a lot and she would be drunk. And, you know, when you're drunk, things set you off faster. She goes out the window and your control is gone, you know, mm-hmm. and she would, she would lose it, you know, and it wasn't like she was like surly drunk, but you know, she was influenced by alcohol and she was, just, and she would just lose it right. and she would fight with my stepfather. And you know, when you picture your parents fighting, people picture, you know, the, the man being abusive. Well, it was actually my mother who was the fighter. She was the one who would do the crazy stuff. Like throw stuff and throwing punches and kicking. She would grab his glasses off his face and snap him in half and throw him out the front door into the street. Oh my like, God. You know, she would, and, and there was one time, and, and God, man, I can't believe, you know, you, you just don't think your mother's going to do this. Is one time, like, she was like, you know, when you kind of like tear off your shirt to like start fighting, like one of those feelings, like Hulk Hogan. Yeah. She would do that as a woman, though. You know, and all of a sudden she'd be somewhat naked, getting ready to fight her, you know, my stepfather. And then she would, like, you know, jump on him, like Jimmy Superfly Snooker off the couch, like, you know, and just attack, you know, and he would attack back, but, you know, actually defensively. Right. I can't say that he was ever really abusive towards her. Oh. He was defending himself. Holy shit. Holy yeah, shit. Yeah, she was, she was, she's, uh, she's crazy, you know, but, um, but, you know, later in life, I kind of, you know, I kind of look back and I'm like, well, you know, it's understandable. I'm not going to say there's anything really, any really bad about it. Okay, maybe, you know, there are some decisions you could have made that would have been easy, but it was a different time. And, you know, she was just, she was just a nut job at the time. And, you know, maybe she was just drunk. I don't know. Maybe yeah. she just hold her booze and, like, wasn't showing all, like, really severe drunkenness, but, but just was, you know, influenced by it, you know. But, um you know, and then when I was, I don't know, I, I must have been like 14 or 15, she decided to go cold turkey and then change her life and then everything changed. But like those early times, there was some crazy stuff that happened in my house. Like, and you know, the, like I had, okay, when I was a, when I was a kid, because she knew that she was crazy and she knew that my stepfather was crazy. My sister was born, so she was an infant. And my mom sat me down one morning. Like, it was, I don't know. It was, it was a weekend. It was, like, Saturday. She's like, John, I want to go over some instructions with you. And I was like, oh, okay. And she was like, you know how we have, like, emergency plans if there's a fire or if anything happens or, you know, you get lost. We want you to meet somewhere. And I was like, yeah. She was like, John, she was like, if anything happens in this house between your father and I, like, that stuff. And I was like, yeah. And she was like, well, and, and I was, like, eight or nine. And she was like. Listen, she's like, if you ever feel like you're in danger, if you feel things, you know, go too far, because the police would arrive at our house from time to time. 
Um, but we knew all the police. So it was more of a, just like a, you know, a visit, like, come on guys, calm down. Take it easy. Right. You know, there, w- there was no such thing as like a domestic dispute, you know, for real police action. And, uh, she'd be like, listen, if, um, you know, if anything ever happens, you feel that your father and I go a little too far, or if you feel that you're in danger, your sister's in danger. She's like, what I want you to do is just, you just quietly, I want you to, you know, go upstairs grab your sister from the bassinet or the crib or whatever. And she's like, go up to the attic and lock the door. And she's like, and use the phone and call your aunt. And then she's like, and if you can't reach your aunt, she gave me a number to a, a police officer. She said, call the police and call this person and tell them to come over. Okay. And I was like, Wait, what? Oh, oh, uh, all right. You know, I was like, you know, okay. so, and I kind of took it as like, you know, good instruction. I was just listening. And she was like, yeah, just, you know, she's like, if we fight or if you feel that, you know, like if, if anybody's, and she used the words like, if anybody's unconscious or if they're, <laughs> oh if they're bleeding, goodness. you know, and was being very practical about it, you know, and I was like, oh, there's going to be bleeding? And I was like, there's going to be unconsciousness? <laughs> okay. And then she gave me instructions what to do. And she's like, keep your sister warm, make sure that she, she's covered and, you know, keep her comfortable and maybe hold her and rock her a little bit and just call the police and get your aunt down here or, you know, call some of her family. And I had a phone list up in the attic, like on the wall, just in case of emergency for me to do. And I, and, and I, I was thrust into this like emergency situation. I, I was very surprised, but at the same time, it kind of felt like a mission to me. Like right. it kind of felt like I was important, you know? So I kind of took that to heart. And there were a few times where I actually had to do that. Really? Where, yeah. There were, there were a couple of times where I did that. And, you know, I would have to make that child call to an adult saying, I need you over here. They're going crazy. Things are flying everywhere. There's so much blood. Oh, my God. You know, like oh that kind of stuff. Goodness. And it was crazy. Uh, you know, but I kind of accepted as reality, you know, that this is what happens in a normal household. I never felt like, you know, oh, my God, this is crazy. This is not normal. I just kind of said, like, all right, this is what you're supposed to do. I have instructions. I was like, things will be okay. I had the complete opposite uh, feeling. I mean, we have similar experiences, not not in terms of uh, my parents going at it with, with, with each other, but like my parents, you know, whooping on me or whooping on my sisters. And my experience, though, was like when I would go to like the gorilla's house or I would go to other folks' houses, like it was so like you walk into the gorilla's house and it's so peaceful. It Just was like yes yes exactly exactly it's like some yiddish song i would step foot in their house and all these other houses and i'd be like why I, it, it would kind of make me angry I, I would be like why is my life so unfair why does everybody get to live in peace and yeah. not have P- ptsd and not be stressed <laughs> all the time about things you know it, it's true i um See now, when you say uh, you know your your experience that way, I had that later on when I was like sixteen through twenty. Okay. Um, like, I, and I don't know if you remember this, but yeah, there were times where I would come into first period because it's the first period of the day, you know, and I would come in, and I had just come from a fight because my stepfather and I, as I started to rebel during those years. We would have it out, and we would physically fight in the house, like in the bathroom. Holy like it would shit. just come down to stupid things because he was all hungover, and uh, and we would just it would just escalate. Now we start arguing, and then we would start saying back things, and then he would reach for you know for the fist and pushing and shoving. And there were times where I would walk into band, man, and I would just I would just come straight from the fight, 
like, and I'd be kind of like on the verge of tears and like my face would be red. And like, maybe I, you know, maybe, you know, I had some, some grip marks on my arm, some punch marks on my face that I'd come in and, and I remember, you know, and our, our teacher don't want to say his name, yep. but, uh, you know, we'd just be like, hey, is everything all right now? <laughs> Like, yeah, I'm good. I sit next to you and Mike, you know, and, you know, sit there and I I just try to get going in my day, having just come from this monstrosity and just this stressful environment, and then be like, okay, uh, we're going to turn to bar four. Uh, Let's start from the bridge. Like, you know, just uh, let's go to Dakota. Like, you know, I'm like, okay, let's do it. Craziness, you know, oh, and man. I would go over to the girl's house too sometimes and be like, What the hell happened, man? I'm like, Oh, god, it's, it's nuts, man. And he's like, Oh my god, like, that's crazy. And then, what it, What was your mom? Would she, so you're when it was you and your mom getting into it, your your stepfather would step away. So now you and your stepfather are getting into it. What is she doing? She always claimed that she did not want to referee. Okay. Um, and also, she actually didn't want to get in the way because he would get. You know, we would both be, you know, very, you know, active and very, you know, violent and crazy, you know, and there would be all kinds of shit going on. And she would, uh, she would just kind of step away. She would sometimes like scream from the peripheral, right? You know, and just like stop it, stop it, please, don't, don't do it. You know, and, like he pushed me back. Uh, we were fighting in the living room one time, and he pushed me, and uh, I went to go brace myself up against the mantle, like over the fireplace, and we had the nails in the fireplace where the stockings go for Christmas. Yep. And uh, and I punctured my hand on there, and I just started bleeding everywhere. And she was like, you're bleeding everywhere. He's bleeding. Like, you know, and, <laughs> and he was like, Donna, shut up. You know, would, you know, start going at, going at me, and, I, and I'd be like, stay out of the spot. Like, you know, keep fighting and there was blood everywhere on the carpet and like there was a huge handprint that stayed on the mantle for a long time <laughs> like you know like it was like just evidence of what happened like it was so bad oh my god so why did but, but, but i never really but i never really saw it as really traumatic i never really responded like oh my god i have traumatic memories like it was just like this is what happens when you're a kid like this is wow. what happens in the house Wow. Even though you would go to like your friend's house, I mean, I don't know, we kind of hung out in different circles besides the gorilla. So were some of your friends' houses just like your house? Is that? No, no, actually, I never really saw anything like that in my friend's house at all. But I just said, you know, every family's different, you know, I mean, uh, and also everybody was was typically living with a mother or father with with uh, with the exception of maybe Jeff. I yeah. saw uh, I saw his stepfather kind of manhandle him a couple times, but because you know because of what he was doing, you right. know, and his mother seemed to be on board with it. So I was just like, you know, all right, you know, maybe I'm just in a specific scenario, you know, wow. just this is this is what happened, you know. Obviously, I disagree with my stepfather. My mother and I don't see eye to eye at this age, so I just kind of I kind of accepted. It. I never really. I never reached out to anybody. I never said any, to anything at school, like, you know, this is bad. Like, you know, I never, wow. I just said, you know, this is, I kind of hit it and I kind of accepted it. I just wanted to absorb it and move forward because wow. I knew that one day it would be over because I would get a chance to leave. Right. Um, and I also kind of held myself accountable too. I was like, well, you know, you're, you're being a dick. Like, mm. you know, you were, you should not challenge an older man to a fight. Like, yes. You shouldn't do that. True. You know? and, so I kind of, I, I took stock of myself a little bit. And I kind of said, you know, maybe you're wrong. Wow. Um, and I always tried to come back and, and make things right if I could. But 
the uh, with my stepfather, we just we didn't get along until uh, probably until I was maybe twenty eight. Wow, you know things were bad. I mean, when I we'd go over for for holidays when I was in my twenties, and where I was, I was partying, I was drunk all the time, and I was doing drugs, and you know just doing stuff. And I would come over, and you know he would know, and my mom would know, and then they would start harping on me, and I would like I walked out on a couple of Christmases. You know, just said, I can't, I'm not doing this anymore. You know, screw you guys and left and that type of thing. Um, but he had some, some very rough, he had, he had a, a, his oldest son uh, from his first marriage was bad news. And he was, um, there was also a lot of fighting with him. Okay. I witnessed those guys go like he was, he would always fight with his oldest son because his son was, you know, really, into, he would bring prostitutes home. Holy and, you know, shit! And my mom was like, "You can't bring hookers into my house, like that type of stuff." And he had a lot of, a uh, lot of, uh, a lot of cocaine, a lot of heroin. You know, would would be in the attic where he was living at the time, and he would bring you know bad guys home who were selling drugs, and they were trying to sell drugs out of the house. And um, yeah, and this is when I was a you know young teenager up until I was about maybe sixteen, seventeen. And then uh, you know she told him. She told my step brother that he had to leave, and he was, and he came back with his friends, and he threatened to to come and shoot up the place and blow up the house. Um, and there was a, there were times where my mom and my sister and my stepfather we all went and we went into the garage and called the police because he showed up with his friends who were kind of like like almost like biker gang type of guys, like guys with huge beards and tattoos and leather jackets and you know vests and you know motorcycle attire and they would come back and they had weapons and, and we would have to and we went to the garage you know and to hide because we thought that literally he was going to shoot the place up and you know kind of he threatened to blow the house up with a bomb so we took that seriously and we went into the garage and hid you know that type of thing waiting for the police to arrive and, and he was arrested several times um, outside of our house in our house and you know it was just bad news you know wow. I mean, it, was, it was just just a lot of bad stuff all the time. And I witnessed him trying to deal with his son and it was nothing close to what we did. Mine, our arguments were always over like domestic things, simple things. There were real issues that were going on between his son right. and him. And it was, it was really bad. And then, and then he eventually, eventually ended up shooting somebody and uh, going to prison. Get out and of here. Yeah. He shot somebody. He went down to Florida. Somebody tried to rob him coming out of it. And it was like a rival group of people they tried to jump him and rob him coming out of a liquor store and he pulled a gun and, and shot the guy in the back um, and, you know, and then proceeded to do other things physically to him, you know, and just started to beat him up after he was shot and he went to jail and then was released from jail because of some of the, some, some whatever circumstances, and this was in Florida, um, and then came back to New Jersey and was, was into drugs, bad things. And then eventually uh, he uh, got really, really high one night and, really drunk at the same time and wandered onto the garden state parkway in the touching mm. and uh and just walked into oncoming traffic and car struck him and he was killed whoa Holy just shit. yeah just and we don't know really the circumstances was it suicide was it you being inebriated you know we don't really quite know um but he had uh but his girlfriend at the time who was pretty much his partner in drugs eventually uh, was pregnant at the time with twins, and then his twin daughters were born. Get and, out of uh, here. 
and they were, you know, and they eventually grew up and, you know, they live with, with their side of the family now. And, uh, my stepfather kind of reached out and tried to, and, and she was, uh, she was a black woman. Okay. Um, and my stepfather kind of comes, she was born in 1938, kind of comes from the old school and didn't really believe in the interracial yeah. relationships. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it was somewhat ashamed, I think. Uh, so you picked a sent- picked a strange town to live in, then. <laughs> yeah, and now he's got black grandchildren. You yeah, know, and yeah. I don't know how comfortable he was. He was never rude, you right. know, and was never offensive. But I think he was a little uncomfortable. Right, and uh, and he eventually, uh, you know, just sent checks and tried to take care of them best he could. Um, and then they, you know, obviously they, they graduated high school, and then he kind of lost touch. With them. Okay. Um, yeah, but his and his other son is uh, is kind of the you know the perfect son for him. You know, went out, you know, did really well in school, got a job, and a house, got married, a kid, uh, and he's and he's fine. Okay, and we still and we still have a relationship today. Okay. His daughter, you know, got married, divorced, has a kid, but Texas, you know, and she just kind of went her her own way. Um, and now and and now my stepfather is eighty years old, and, wow. and still married to my mother, and you know, and very happy, and we get along very well. You know, we have a, actually a very good relationship, and it, it's very nice. Um, but he, you know, he went through a lot of hardship too. His father, um, who was really, really bad, um, <clears throat> pretty much didn't like the fact that he was married to my mother, um, and would make fun of my mother all the time. And he lived, um, in South Jersey down the shore, like on the beach yeah. and we would go down there all the time. He would, um, pretty much like make her crazy down there, would make fun of her and antagonize her. And my stepfather would not, uh, stick up for her. And she was very upset about that. And then one day in the mail, came like hate mail came to our house from from my my step grandfather his father and had pictures of uh my stepfather with other women during his life pictures of him with other women and had pictures and don't they look like a great couple this is the woman he should be with and, like, we, stuff. <laughs> we kind of had to cut him off and, you know and there was a lot of there was so there was a lot of hatred coming from his own father towards him uh, you know, and really, and also towards us as a family that you really just didn't want. Ah, people, um, people are so unkind. It's so crazy. I know. It's so crazy. I don't know, man. It, it, there there's a lot of a lot of stuff that, that happened, and then you know, I mean, yeah, it, it was it was just always like that. But wow. but yeah, so there were there were some some crazy things in my house, uh, and wow. especially you know with, with that mixture of that side of the family. It was, it was pretty nuts. My, and also, you know, my mother's side of the family is crazy too. I mean, there's a lot of crazy stories, you know, on on that side. People, you know, there's a, there's a, a, a murder mystery oh uh, that's seen with my uncle, you know, who uh, there was possible kidnapping and was eventually uh, charged and, uh, and went to trial for murder and then was acquitted for lack of evidence in the 70s. Oh, my God. You know, that stuff, um, you know, uh, when I was, you know, just all kinds of stuff. My... But you know, my uh, my uncle had an affair with somebody and had a child um, who was our age, um, and I grew up with this person. You know, oh all God. through high school we were friends. She was you know a girl that I knew very well. And then when we graduated uh, middle school, my uncle came to the graduation, and I was like, "What the hell is he doing here?" And my mom's like, "We'll talk about it later." And I was like, "Because he wasn't there for me." And and then she and then she told me the story. And she's like, "Listen, you can't tell her that you're cousins." Oh. She's like, because she doesn't know. And she lived down, the, she lived on Parker Avenue. Oh my and, gosh. Uh, and then I found out, and then later on in my, so I found out I was holding the secret. And she had like five sisters and brothers she didn't know about. Oh like, my you know, goodness. and she was kept in the dark about this whole thing. And then I was at the bar when I was 20 years old at Kevin's Bar. <laughs> that place. 
And I was all banged up at three in the morning and she showed up because we were on the holidays. Everybody's coming home for Thanksgiving, Christmas. And I spilled the beans at the bar and she lost it and started crying. And, you know, and I told her the truth. And then she went and tried to teach out her brothers and her sisters. And I kind of, it was a little bit of a party foul. Uh, and, you know, by the way, <laughs> by the way. So bad, man. And, uh, and that ends uh, in tragedy, uh, unfortunately, because soon thereafter, only I think it was, I don't know, maybe about four years later, she took her own life with pills and alcohol. Whoa. And she claimed that that was part of the reason that she did it. She wrote a journal while she was doing what she was doing. And some of that information was in there saying that, you know, my life was a lie. And that I can't believe my family so screwed up. And I'm going to be just like my family. And she killed herself. Holy shit. And I harbored a little bit of responsibility for that somewhere for about, you know, a couple of weeks, you know, and I was like, eh, I don't think I could do that. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah, crazy. Wow, you are, you are such a cold-blooded, JB. <laughs> you are cold Yeah, 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 I'll, I'll agree to that. <laughs> so only a couple of weeks of, like, feeling guilt. You are so amazing. <laughs> I, I had to let that one go because I was, you know, I was like, ah, you know, I told the truth. I really didn't, you know, I didn't say anything bad. I tried to bring good things to yeah. life, and uh, she did have some good experiences with her family she never knew about there for a while yeah um but uh but yeah yeah so but you know ultimately i grew up in a very uh cold-hearted um arena yeah yeah, know, yeah. and uh it was either you know be cold or or be hurt yeah. you know so i decided to just you know kind of keep the black heart optional you know just in case and uh and it served me well it still serves me well to this day uh however you know think the circumstances have changed in my life i'm not as crazy uh you know and i don't put myself in a situation anymore. right yeah my wife uh, my wife always said to me just hearing it's funny first she she never believed um the stories that i told her about my childhood and then she we, we went out to dinner it was the the gorilla his wife and and my wife and and myself, we went out to dinner once and the gorilla was telling stories about my childhood and she looks over at me with these big eyes and she's like, I, I it's when it came from you, I, I couldn't believe it. But now that I'm hearing it from one of your friends, it's like shocking to me. And then later on after dinner at night, we're talking and she's like, I just, I don't get how you're not a serial killer. I, I just, I don't get that. <laughs> <laughs> That's a valid point. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, man, it's, uh, it, it's crazy that the stuff that goes on in a household and, you know, just different people and what they have. And for me, like, it was always crazy because, um, you know, there are always substances and alcohol involved and, you know, and I just thought that that's what I was destined for. Right. Yeah. So let me ask about that. When did you start? Like, when did you start drinking, let's say? I started drinking um, uh, the summer of 1993. Oh, okay. You were a yeah, sophomore. That's, that's, uh, that is when I really started. I, I was experimenting, you know, a little. I had a, I had a beer here and there, but nothing, never like, hey, let's get drunk. You right. know, let's, let's get fucked up, like that type of thing. So who? I, had, I, I went to a, uh, yeah, I, I worked at a summer camp uh, the summer after my sophomore year. And, uh, and it was a bunch of, uh, it, it was mostly foreign staff, people from England, uh, Ireland, you know, Australia, you, you know, Spain, you know, Wales, all that stuff like that. And I spent all the time and drinking was part of their culture. And they were older than I was. And that summer, like everybody, everybody was partying every night. So I joined it wow. and I was 16 and I learned how to drink that summer. And, uh, I came back to the start of our junior year and, 
that's when the you know the grill and I started to uh, to really you know get going on that end. Started partying, having a good time, doing that that style. Uh, which okay, is, which is really cool. Oh, so um, she was she was your kind of like part party pal when it came to stuff like that. Oh yeah, yeah. I didn't realize I mean, it was that. Great. Uh, I mean, there were yeah. I mean, it was always like that. We had we had a lot of you know great times, and you know, and obviously it was never never destructive. There was never anything really really bad. It was always just a lot of fun. I mm-hmm. mean. When we get together, it's just goofy, right? You know? So, and then when you had alcohol, you know, and which was mostly malt liquor at the time and beer, oh my you know, God. we were just drinking forties, you know, case of beer, stuff like that, and that, and we would just have a lot of fun with that, and just you know, just hang around the the village, you know what I mean? Yep. Just, you know, <laughs> be drunk, and you know, we could party and stuff, and, and or just hang out at his place, and do whatever. I think you, me, and the gorilla went to one. I don't. I think it was you. We went to a party at some kid's house. He was a an Indian kid. Yes, um, this was Mitesh. Okay, tell the story. <laughs> yeah. All right. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, we yeah. So we go to this party, and it was a younger kid, and this kid was in band. We knew this kid because he kind of you know we knew who he was, and uh, uh, turns out he's having a party that got way out of control. His parents were out. And he lived in a very nice house. Yes. And 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 the house and it was up on the hill and it was I think it was on Highland Avenue. It's a, a really nice house. And um, and we got there and there were a lot of people there. And uh, and slowly as the night progressed, um, there was uh, people started to get destructive in his house. Yeah. And people started to really rip things apart. And there was a time where I went in and people that I knew, people were like pissing in his dad's car in the garage. <laughs> people were taking stuff out of the fridge and throwing it in the kitchen. I remember there was broken bottles of like red wine all on the floor. People were smashing fruit. It was like a Gallagher concert at one point. <laughs> like it was just, it was terrible. And then at one point there were people, like I remember Gorilla and I were playing piano. Yes. Like, like banging on the piano, like singing, having a good time. And then people were ripping stuff off the walls. <laughs> and then the girl and I uh, ended up uh, starting to partake a little in the destructiveness because we thought we needed to join in at one point. And, uh, and we actually ripped the banister off the uh, wall of the stairwell going down to the <laughs> cellar. Uh, threw that into the kitchen. Um, and then we rolled the piano into the other room, smashing it up against the wall. Uh, I think the statute of limitations protects us on this, um, which is which is good. Um, and just I, and it was just craziness. Like, and I remember like, and then like fighting, yes, like, running around fighting with people and like just throwing random punches. I remember. Like, like, a- I, re- <laughs> I remember two things. One was you mentioned the kitchen and them pulling stuff out of the fridge. I remember. It was a long kitchen, and the floor was completely slick. So guys were taking their shoes, or not even taking their shoes off, but they were running and, like, skating across the floor back and forth, back and forth and back and forth. And the other thing I remember was his dad, like, worked for Sony or something was was what I had heard. We went into the uh, garage, and there was a box full of CDs. And people were like lifting CDs. People were chucking CDs across the floor, across the wall, breaking CDs. It was crazy. Yeah, just mayhem. How long did you want to do this in somebody else's house? It's so crazy. I know. Like, I, you know, I can't say that I didn't join in because I did, and yeah. I remember being very drunk, and I remember doing all kinds of stuff. And then, but and then and then seeing him like the the days after, like so depressed, and like he was in so much trouble, and like there was so much damage, and there was. 
the police were involved because there was there were uh, people that rolled the car out of the garage. Oh my uh, god! I and, didn't <laughs> I didn't hear like the the extended version of this story. I, my yeah. once once we left the party, that was it for me. I I don't yeah. remember anything else. Me too. We left. We left too. We're like, get the hell out of here, man! This is bad. Like you know, we you know, all right, we did our thing, but we didn't do anything like that. You know, I mean. <laughs> And guys are like, there was a guy who took dump on the floor, like that type of stuff. <laughs> like, you know, just, you know, and it was so bad. And I mean, watching him in school, like, he didn't want to go home. Like, wow. you know, it was like, I'll stay after school. Do you have anything you need me to do? Like, you know, it was so bad. Uh, and okay. it was terrible. Yeah, okay. a couple times, man. And there, and there were a couple of parties. I mean, I don't know if you, do you, do you remember who Nate Clark was? Yes, of course. Nate Clark had one of those doozies where um, his there were there were two there was his mother uh, actually passed away during a, a house party of his. What? His mother was significantly older, like she was in her seventies. She was upstairs in her bedroom, and he went. He had a party. Everybody was there. Things got a little out of control, very loud, not damaging, but very very loud. And went upstairs and found his mother was unresponsive. Eventually, was dead in her own bed. Wow. And he came down all distraught and told everybody to get out. And everybody would get out. And wow. eventually, he came down with his father's shotgun and fired around into the ceiling to get everybody out of the house. And everybody was running out of the house. He's got a gun. Oh my God. Oh my no one knew God. what had happened. Like, no one knew that his mother was dead in the bed upstairs. Like, everybody was like, no, we're not leaving. Oh my I was pretty, I was pretty crazy too, man. I, we had we were at that party. I, uh, the girl and I were at that party, and that was pretty. Uh, that was pretty bad. You were there when he shot the shotgun. Uh, we were there right before the shotgun incident. Oh. I was. I did not witness. I was not there when that happened. We had. We had left, but uh, you know, obviously the next morning we heard everybody was talking about it. it was, oh my god. <laughs> you know, and then uh, you know, you know, and then later, you know, later on, like see, I, I went on to see Paul University, and uh, when I did, I still had a, I still had a girlfriend who was still going to Columbia, and I tried to bring that to, uh, to you know, to do the long distance thing, which wasn't really long distance, right. but you know what I mean. And uh, and that didn't work, and I attended a couple of uh, house parties, which I should not have, you know, as a nineteen year old, like I should not have gone back. Right. And I went back, and I got involved. In a uh, in a, a melee that led to uh, led to charges and a court case, uh, which which would go on to change my life uh, from then on. It made, actually made, led me to uh, to dropping out of school and leaving town. Actually, moving to Massachusetts because of that. Oh, that um, was the reason. Yeah, I was. It was a big reason. Like I, because my parents were so mad at me, even though what had happened was not my fault and what had happened was not uh, you know wasn't my doing you know um, I was still involved and my mom thought what I did was really really bad and that I was making bad decisions and I was doing drugs drinking and she said I don't want you in the house anymore and I said all right and I was like okay whatever and I was on academic probation to call because I wasn't going to class I was just partying all the time and, you know, and just not doing what I was supposed to be doing. I wasn't being a student. I was just partying, you know, because I had free tuition. Right. You know, I just, you know, I was, I was, yeah, school was free, so I didn't care. Wait, why, why was, why was school free? Because uh, my mother worked at Seton Hall. So uh, I, had free I had to get accepted on my own, which I did. Okay. Um, and I, I got, accepted, I got, actually got accepted in the music department and then, uh, I was going to study, uh, you know, performance for trumpet. That's what I, you know, my major was. I was a music major. Um, and then, uh, and then things just went downhill. Um, and then eventually they kind of pulled my tuition remission and, uh, and eventually they, they kicked me out. 
Um, and they said, go to an institution, get better grades, come back, we'll let you back, and we'll reinstitute your, uh, or, or reinstate your uh, tuition remission. And I just said, you know what, this isn't for me. I'm out of control. And uh, and I, I moved to Massachusetts, and I went to go live on Kid Dodd as a result. And I kind of handled all my legal stuff from Massachusetts via my attorney and just try. I just wanted to be out of the way and just have everything happen on behalf of me while I was away. Wow. And all came down to that stuff. But but honestly, man, I was, I, I am, and I was an alcoholic. Like I was in trouble with drinking and I, I had no control over myself. And that was leading to, to drugs as well. Um, you know, you know, mostly the fun stuff, nothing crazy, Yeah. you know, but, but still problematic. Uh, and that led to, you know, and I lived up there for a couple of years and, and I would eventually move back, um, you know, and, and, you know, pursue things in New Jersey again, but you know, it was really just get the hell out of Dodge for a while. Well, let's talk about that for a second. You said, um, what you, we spoke about drinking a little bit. So in terms of drugs, we're talking like cocaine and, and then like, when did you get started there? Uh, yeah, I, I was mostly into, I mean, it, you know, I, you started, you know, drinking in marijuana use because yeah. I really enjoyed marijuana and, yeah. and that was just, that was nothing to me. It was just kind of easy, something that really, you know, I was able to function and never really put me over the edge. I was never ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, but my drinking, I really like to push the envelope of drink. I, I really like to, uh, to do, to drink as much as I could. And I was wired for drinking. I mean, I had that predisposition for alcoholism, so I was able to, um, to really hold my booze you know, and just do and go as far as I could. I mean, there were occasions, many occasions where I would drink 20, 20, 25 beers in the evening, you know, and also drinking hard alcohol as well. And then, you know, and that was, that was normal for me because I felt like I could. Whoa. No big deal. I I don't, I don't know how it was. I don't think even on, you know, on your 21st birthday, you're supposed to have 21 drinks. I don't think I've had more than like 12 of anything in one day. That's amazing. Yeah, see, that's normal. That's good, man. That's yeah. that's, that's, you know, you don't need to. Yeah. You know, uh, for some reason, I felt like I had something to prove to the world. Yep. Um, I had a lot of issues. I, You know, my personality wasn't completely developed yet. I had a lot of, uh, you know, not really self-esteem, but I, I had, you know, I had a lot of ridicule. And uh, as a as a kid, and I kind of turned that into motivation, and I wanted to show the world that I could you know, do whatever I wanted to do and handle everything, you know. And yeah. I just always wanted to push the envelope for some reason with everything, man. I am a compulsive guy, right? Like I'm just no matter what it is, you put you put a a huge plate of food in me in front of me, and I'm going to eat it. You put a plate of drugs in front of me, I'm going to do them. You, right. You, uh, read a book and read the whole thing, like you know that type of thing. Very compulsive. Yeah. Uh, but uh, so the drinking, you see, it's interesting because what happened with with the cocaine use was that I used to use cocaine as means to be able to drink more. Wow. It's, it's very hard to explain, you know, to other people because people don't get it. But what I would do is that when I, when I would get to that point where the alcohol was taking its toll and I was starting to fade, you know, I would just do cocaine. You know, just do some blow, and now I'd be back to zero. I'd be able to drink that much more. Oh wow! So it was never on its own. Never like never. Just, wow. Never ever. I like, never. It, was all, it always went hand in hand. You know, like drinking and smoking at the bar. Yes. People usually, you know, smoke when they drink. It yes. Was, for me, I it, I would get to my eighth beer, and I'd be like, let's get some blow. Like, wow. You know, and I always had my friends, and I you know I was selling at one point to get it for free, so I always had it available. It's always ready to go. Wow. And uh, I started doing that probably 1996, 
no, probably right after right after high school, you know, when I was at Seton Hall, you know, that was when I first started doing it with a group of guys and we had a lot of fun. Wow. And uh and eventually started doing it hardcore. And that lasted um that lasted until two thousand two. Whoa. Uh, yeah, did it straight on through. It was always a part of my life. Uh, you know, just used it uh, regularly. Um, but I would never, it would, would never, would just be like, hey, let's do a couple lines and get something done. It was always as a result of drinking. You know, and it was always a, a fun little boost. I I liked, I liked the feeling I got from it, but I also liked the practical, you know, part of it. It's <laughs> oh, so crazy. <laughs> yeah, it really is. It's sick. Yeah, you know, and looking back, you know, and obviously I haven't used that in 17 years, yep. going on, you're going on 18 years. And, uh, and it's crazy how much, uh, how much I did. So when I was doing that, I would do, I would do it crazily. And I mean, like, honestly, I would probably do an eight, you know, eight ball, an eighth of an ounce. You know, I do about maybe two of those in an evening with okay. my friends. Okay. So let's back up for a second for a, for a non drug user like myself. All I know yeah. is like all I know is like movies, and you see them cutting lines of cocaine. So what's what's an eight sure. in relation to that? Uh probably depending on how big your lines are going to be, um, you're you're probably going to good get a good ten, twelve lines out of that good fat lines. Oh my you know, god! It, it's like uh, it looks like if you dump like you know a bunch of salt into a sandwich bag. You know, it's about maybe one one to two fingers tall okay know, how about and, how about um teaspoons like if i were to scoop a teaspoon out how much i think uh, a teaspoon teaspoons. is four grams yeah. of uh yeah I'd, I'd say maybe you two or maybe if your teaspoons probably about you know three to three to four i guess roughly three to four teaspoons yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness uh, i would buy a lot of rock though i would buy rock and then crush that up, you know, into powder and then make lines and do all that. Oh, so cocaine comes in a rock form and then they... It is a crystal form. Oh, I didn't know that. I thought that was crack. That was a crystal. Uh, crack also does. Okay. Uh, but when you compact cocaine together, like when it's transported, you know, or, or hidden, or, you know, or smuggled, you, usually it's compacted together into a rock form. Uh... Uh, and then you smash those rocks down with a, you know, usually... Um, you should put a dollar bill on top of a CD case or something hard or a mirror, and then you use your your fist or your, even your credit card to smash it down and then chop it up with a, your credit card. Uh. Most of my credit cards had residue on them all the time. <laughs> like if I licked if I licked one of my credit cards, the edge of my credit cards, I could taste. Okay. Oh my god! They and, say- and it's weird because like you know you go make out with girls after doing cocaine because it stays in your nose and in your throat. And I would I remember making out with a girl. I was having sex with a girl one night. We we're kissing. And she's like, I can't feel my mouth. <laughs> and I was like, what? And she was like, oh, my God. Oh, this is so weird. I'm like, oh, yeah. I was doing a bunch of blow. I was like, sorry about that. I'm just still in my mouth. And she was like, I really? She's like, I can't feel my teeth. I can't feel my mouth at all. I'm like, yeah, yeah, go away. Don't worry. Uh, so so what, what what is the cocaine experience like? I've, I've spoken to a, a couple of people. It's so funny. I know a lot of people that smoke weed and very few people that have used cocaine, but from the few people that I've spoken to, they say it's like, um, it's an amazing pe- feeling for 30 minutes. And then you have to like, kind of re re up, like re get some more yeah. to. Okay. And, and that's exactly true. That's okay. It's uh, I mean, if you're snorting, right. um, you know, you're snorting it right up into your nasal passage, which goes right up to, you know, to the olfactory membrane up against your brain. Right. And it's, uh, and it absorbs really quickly to that membrane. 
uh, and it gives you it, it's ultimately like uh, it's a re, it's a reuptake inhibitor and also a uh, a dopamine uh, supplier. Like it pretty much like holds your feel good door open for a long time. So you get those euphoric feelings, norepinephrine. You do get endorphins, you get dopamine, serotonin, all that stuff flows freely. And chemically, it holds that door open in your synapse, you know, between neurons to keep the dopamine flowing. So you feel euphoric, you know, okay. for, you know, for about 20 to 30 minutes, and then you need another line. That's... Uh, and it will give you a rush of energy, um, positivity, you know, uh, excitement, and just your heart races. And it's just, it's an amazing feeling. Mm. I mean, it really is. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it sounds so amazing that I always promised myself I would never do it because I know same personality as you, right? If I, if if it's something I like, I'm going to do it four billion times. So yeah. why get started then? <laughs> yeah, and I but I was I wanted to jump in, man. I figured I was making memories, enjoying life. You know, I'm young. Who cares? You know, this is going to last forever. You know, let's let's do it all. Let's have some experience. And that was my thinking. Uh, and then I, and then I jumped in and, and I, I did all the way. And then when I decided, when I realized that I had a problem with it, when I realized that I had a problem, you know, with drugs and alcohol, and I knew that a lot of my family members would have gone off the deep end, were, were lost in life and just, you know, living you know, a terrible, terrible experience. Um, and my mother had changed herself. Um, then I was like, you know, that's a good, that's a, that's a good uh, way to go. I was like, I think I'm going to try to stop. And I tried to stop doing blow. That's what I first tried to tackle. And then I realized that I could not stop doing blow uh, because of my drinking. Uh, and I never wanted to stop drinking at all. Drinking, I wanted to keep going. But I figured if I just stopped doing the blow, things would be good. Like, things would get better. Like, you know, and also, in, you know, the morning after when you do blow, you get, it, there's a uh, feeling of depression. You actually get really, really low. Right. Because cause you're just coked over. Well, let me ask you uh, before, because I'm going to forget these questions. Did have did you ever do ecstasy, MDMA, any of those psychedelics? Not those psychedelics, just acid and shrooms. Okay. Never did MDMA, Molly? Never did any of that stuff. Okay. Never did ecstasy. Okay. Never. I never wanted to. I didn't have any desire for that stuff. That's because so I was always. I always would drop. You know, like before a party, I would drop. You know, four or five tabs of acid. <laughs> <and> <laughs> <back and shrooms. laughs> And would just be experiencing that. Okay. Uh, just I was that was I was kind of a constant for me. Well, hallucinogenics were were very very popular with me. That was what I loved to go to. So I'm laughing because uh, for the folks that don't know about LSD, LSD people mostly know what it looks like. They come in like these little. You can you can have them in tab form, which is like a piece of cardboard, maybe. Uh, what is it like? Yeah, like a, blotter paper. Yeah, it's like I'm trying to think of the size. Maybe an eighth of an inch by an eighth of an inch, a tiny square. And if you take, if you're a sober person who never does psychedelics, takes one of those tiny little squares, you're on Pluto. And so for you to say, I, I dropped four of those. <laughs> that's yeah, so and that's crazy. The, whole, the old envelope thing. Just always wanted to go a little further than everything else. It's... Oh my goodness. And I would never tell anybody. I'm sweating, under, I'm sweating under my arm thinking about taking that much LSD. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was pretty crazy, you know. And that lasted quite a, quite a long time, actually. You know, you, that would go for a good solid 12 hours. Oh, yeah. So, you know? That's the other thing is like the difference between that high of hallucinogenics where it's you take this little tiny thing and then you're on this ride for eight hours versus like you said with cocaine 20 minutes and you're gonna you have to do it again and do it again and do it again that's so crazy yeah it was uh, and i really enjoyed that uh, that actually you know 
I don't know. It never really uh, that never really affected me much. Like as like the day after or anything, I never felt any pain or or hangover. It was always just like, wow, that was awesome. Wow. I can't wait till tomorrow. Wow. Like you know, just I just wanted to keep doing it. And you know, and I used to do a lot of mushrooms too. Okay. You know, which is along the same line. Yeah. But for the co- um, for the cocaine, was it? How, let Let me ask. In at your height, were you doing it every day while you were drinking? Yeah, usually whenever I was drinking, I was doing it. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, usually, typically, yeah, every day, and it was, and sometimes it, it was less. Sometimes I just, you know, you know, have a couple of bumps or do a couple lines and just enjoy myself. You know, whatever it was, you know, I'd be like drinking a six pack, you know, getting some stuff done in the house, and I'd just hit a couple lines and you know vacuum and clean the kitchen, you know, do my errands or when I was running around, you know, that type of stuff. And, and always at the bar, like I'd always have like my little stash going on so that, you know, and I would sometimes just kind of do it while I was just standing around like at the bar, like people who usually go to the bathroom, I would just kind of just, you know, kind of take like a little, I had like a little scooper yep. and I would just kind of think just like, you know, and, and get right to it. You know? And no one would even see, you know, it's so fast, like, you know, so. Oh my God. You are... And all my friends were in on it. So I had like a whole bunch of people doing it, which was, which was a lot of, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. I mean, you know, I never thought that it would be damaging or it would be a, a bad thing. And then, and my entire reason, my entire reason for, you know, for stopping drinking was just to stop doing cocaine. Wow. I didn't want to stop drinking, but I realized that I could never, ever, you know, stop doing blow if I didn't stop drinking. I really didn't want to stop drinking. That was not my plan. Holy cow. So what, what's so, I mean, I, everybody, everybody's drinks or has drank or, you know, most, I would yeah. say 80% of the folks in the United States that are an adult have, have had a few drinks and have felt tipsy. What, what was so good about it for you that you had to take it to like the next, next level? Um, you know, it started off, I, it started off as, I just like the way it made me feel. I like the, you know, the, I, and I never needed it to like talk to girls or, or to loosen myself up or to be the life of the party or anything like that, because that was, I was always okay. With exactly. That. That part of me, I was always, my personality was kind of cool with, with, you know, being, I, I always liked attention. You know, I liked to entertain, that type of thing. But I did like the way that it made me feel. But when I really got down to the meat and potatoes, when you really look about what it really is, that, and this is sick thinking, but <clears throat> I would actually like to drink because when you, when you drink, you're typically drink, drinking with other people. And when other people would drink, they would then get on the level that you were when you were sober. So like I would drink not just to, to get myself drunk because I like drunkenness, but because everybody else would act the way I wanted them to act, even when I was sober. Oh, that is deep. That's deep. <laughs> oh my god. And that's the truth. That is the truth. And that's a big part of it. Um I and I was just like, all right, well, you know, I'll just I'll just drink too. <laughs> You know, because everybody else will will start to have fun, and this will be a good time. And I just associated alcohol with uh, with partying, you know. And I never knew what it was like to to have you know a good time because usually when you, when I had when I would hang out with people, usually everybody else when they're sober is kind of serious. And, yep. You know, and I would want to be wacky. And I would want to be corny and want to have a good time just standing around when we were sober. But everybody wouldn't want to have the same good time I wanted to have. But when we were drinking, they would get retarded and stupid. And then all of a sudden, like, oh, good. Now everybody's, you know, doing what I want to do. Now we can have the fun we want to have again. And then I just happened to be drunk. Right. Um, 
Um, and then, but eventually we all know, you know, I mean, the alcohol is habit forming. I mean, whether you like it or not, yep. you know, either mentally or physically addicting. I mean, it does take that form of addiction. And, uh, and eventually I just wanted to feel that way all the time. And then I just, I just like drunkenness in general anyway. Like I liked, cause it does, it gives you a nice euphoric feeling just mm-hmm. physically. Like, you know, and I like that. It didn't make me, you know, feel a certain way that I wasn't when I was sober, but it was just, you know, an additive to right. something that, that added more. Um, and, and, I, and then, and it just led to me doing it all the time. And I just, I didn't know how to enjoy life without it anymore because, wow. of, because of the way I started to, you know, make my patterns. That's just the way it looked. I mean, to, to drink, you, what did you say? Like 20 beers to do that. You have to start in the afternoon. You can't, at least for me, I, I wouldn't be able to start at like eight o'clock at night and, and get through 20. Is that how it, it went for you typically? Like, would you start earlier or? As soon as I was done with work, as okay. soon as I was done, you know, so it could be, you know, five thirty, it could be four thirty, it could be, it could be eight o'clock. Um, typically, like if we sat around drinking, you would be just if you were at the bar, you would be finishing your first beer, and I would already have four and a half down <laughs> because I didn't have any respect for it. I just drank it like it was water. Soap. Yeah. Wow. I just would just down it. I had no respect for what it was doing to my body at all. But I also knew that I was. And I was predisposed to, for alcohol use. I, yeah. I was already, I could handle it. And so I just said, oh, all right, well, I can handle it. So, well, let's drink more then. Who cares? You know, and I just kept going. And I would just keep drinking and drinking. And there were times where, you know, even even the gorilla and I, our friendship would, would suffer because he would show up and I would be so inebriated, you know, and me not knowing. And he was not into that, yeah. you know, the way that I was doing things. Now, I graduated to another level of drinking. And he just wanted to have fun with me, and and it, it just it just turned bad, and yeah. he just didn't want to hang out with me because I was holding up the wall, man. And then I would have to go and do blow to get myself back to a spot, and he wasn't really down with that. So right. it was just you know it, it, you know it just kind of hurt things, like you know, and it was just you know, and I was off to a whole another level of doing things, and like my behavior was completely consumed with drinking and blow and. You know, whatever. It'd be nice if we could sit around and smoke some weed. That'd be fine. No big deal. Right. You know, but it was just never like that for me. I just, I had totally moved on to a whole nother, uh, you know, a whole nother realm of, of abuse, you know, and, and substance. And it was bad. And that, and that's what ultimately led me to. Yeah. What was, you know what? what was the moment when you're like, you know what? This ain't right. This is something's <laughs> got to change. Sure. Yeah. They, I, I, exactly. And a lot of people talk about having a bottom, you know, right. this was the moment when, well, it wasn't really like that for me. It was just, it was one night uh, where I was, uh, I, I had gotten really drunk. I probably was probably about 12, 13 beers in. And I was in West Orange living in my apartment. I was drinking with my roommate. And I said, you know, I want to go drink with my real friend in South Orange. Wait a so second. I, you, I didn't know you lived in West Orange. Yeah, I did. I, yeah, I lived on, uh, I, I lived on Main Street. Get out of here. That's funny. I grew up <laughs> yeah, in. I, li- I, I lived over a bar that I was selling cocaine to. I know uh, that. Ba- I know that bar. I. It's so funny. I grew up in West Orange, and my parents moved to South Orange my sophomore year. So, a lot of my. It's right across from the Thomas Edison factory. Yep. 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 I. <laughs> it's so yep. funny. <laughs> yep. Over the Pizza Hut. Yep. Yep. So I got in, a, so I got in the car and I said I'm going to go hang out with my friends in South Orange and we were, we were going to, you know, going to go drinking. So I did. So I, I got there driving drunk, arriving safely, uh, you know, although awkwardly. And um, 
and avoiding the police. And I also, uh, I also, uh, at the time I had lost my driver's license. I did, I had lost my privileges because I didn't want to pay for insurance or registration. Um, so, but the surcharge things, I had lost my, my license. So I was driving illegally and just didn't care. And, uh, so I was, I was dri- I drove South Orange, parked my car and I started drinking with my friends at the, uh, at the gaslight, uh, which is the old Ryan's Calendros, yep. you know, across by right by the train station. And, um, and I was drinking and I probably had about six or seven drinks. And then I, and I decided that, you know what, I'm going to go, I'm going to go get some blow. And I had to, I had to go to another bar where I had a buddy who had a a new shipment for me that I was supposed to pick up. So I figured I'd go. So you're 18 beers in right now. Just about. Yeah. Yeah, Just about. And this is, yeah, this is over the course of, you know, but I'd also done a little blow too. So I was kind of mixed, you know, so I was, you know, but I need to go get more. So I was, so I got in the car and I was driving back to, to the West Orange area and I was driving, uh, I was driving in South Orange, um, on, a, on Bose Avenue, um, and headed towards West Orange and I kind of uh, lost control of my car and I launched a mailbox, um, into the house next to the post office and, uh, damaged, uh, something there. And then that kind of snapped me back into things, uh, cause I woke up because I had collided with something with my car. And then, uh, and the, the mailbox had, you know, it started to tumbling, you know, kind of just rumbling and then eventually hit a uh, plate glass uh, part of the house, damaged a window. And uh, I just, you know, kept going. And as I kept going down uh, Bose Avenue, I eventually, I, I guess I must have nodded off or something. And I veered onto a hop the curb without hitting anything and was now driving on the grass across everybody's lawn parallel to the house. And uh, I crashed into, um, I crashed into somebody's porch. Oh my goodness. And, um, you know, uh, and I had about maybe $350 on me in cash, uh, you know, kind of ready to go on my pocket. And, uh, and, and as soon as I collided with the house, I remember putting the car in reverse, backing it up. And now I had, taken out railing lawn jockeys lawn decorations along the way and then i came to a rest and all of a sudden uh, there's a tapping on my window and i don't know the time frame and uh tapping on the window and i'm looking over and it's the police officer and uh he was like john and i was like oh what's up man how's it going i was like what's up he's like you okay and i was like yeah i was like oh the car jumped the curb there was a swirl you know and i was making up excuses you know, and kind of, you know, whatever. And he's like, oh, my God, dude. He's like, get out of the car. So he gets me out of the car. And he puts me, uh, and he, he kind of gets in my car and pulls the car down the street on the post until, like, on the street into a parking spot. Oh and he's like, oh, my God, dude. We got to get, get you the hell out of here. And I was like, I was like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. What happened? He's like, dude, you crashed into the house. And I was like, oh, my God. I was like, yeah, you're right. And so he's like, listen, man. He's like. I'm going to pull your car way down the block. He's like, I'm going to pull your car into the driveway. I know the guy. And I was like, okay. And he's like, here, I'll give you a ride home. So he, he totally lets me go. Like he's wow. helping me because he's my friend. And I threw all my money at him, like hundreds of dollars. <laughs> Thank you, man. Oh God, you're so awesome. Whatever. And he drives me back to uh, the Vos Avenue apartment that I used to live in. He thought I still live there. And I was just like, and I really lived in West Orange. And so he drops me off at my door that he thinks I live in. And I'm like, I don't live here. And I was like, so I had my keys. And so I start to fumble. And I'm like, oh, man. I was like, my key's inside. I don't have it. And he's like, all right, man. So I was like, I go up the fire escape to go up the back, you know, the back entrance of my old apartment. New people live there. Right. And I went up there and I hit 
up there in the fire escape and he, I watched him drive away and we just let the damage stay. You know, we just let everything happen, which is crazy. And, uh, and I eventually, uh, waited and I saw him drive away and then I went down, uh, the fire escape and I walked back to my car and I drove back to West Orange and got my blow and did everything. But I feel, I felt I shouldn't have, I shouldn't go back to, to South Orange. So I, I stayed in West Orange and I went to the, I went to the diner and then I hung out with my roommates some more and I had hit my head and like I was bleeding and like it was all kinds of stuff and it was really, really bad. And, uh, but I got back in that car and I drove again. And the wow. next morning, my car was, uh, up on top of the parking curbs, like, and diagonal and actually collided with the dumpster in my parking lot. And the dumpster <laughs> oh was actually goodness. leaning up, resting on my car because I crashed into that too. And the next morning when I came out to find my car, I was like, oh. And that was the moment where I was like, you know what? You may have some issues with this. You may want to tone it down a bit. Wow. And that was, that was the time where I said, you know what, man, things got to change. Wow. Like, this is ridiculous. I was like, you should have gone to jail that night. And I was like, you should, you should be in a lot of trouble. I was like, you just traded every single get out of jail free card you had. So, you know, maybe it's time to think about stopping. But that didn't happen. Yeah. It was What's interesting is in your head from that moment, you were like, you know what? It's the cocaine that's the problem. <laughs> exactly. And that's exactly what I thought. And, uh, so I, I took action and I tried and tried and tried. Um, and then I, and then I met my wife, uh, you know, there that's in that time. Okay. And, then I, and I started to live with her and she started to like, asked me to come over and like hang out and i really wanted to go to the bar and she's like i got a 30 pack you want to come over and i was like and i would i would come over and drink a 30 pack you know hanging out with her and stuff like that and i started to feel like dude i don't need you to like bait me with beer to come right. over right like, and i was like this is ridiculous you know and that was suffering a little bit and she really didn't have a clue about you know about the heavy drug use right and, uh, so i you know because of that like my relationship started to you know make me make decisions so i started to say you know what maybe we should try to do something about this. so i eventually i eventually did and it was one day it was the day after the super bowl uh it was actually february 4th 2002 uh it was the day after the super bowl i kind of planned it that way and the next uh and that monday after the super bowl i stopped everything and i started to attend meetings and i reached out for some help and started to uh do that on my own and uh and that, and that's that's where it ended. Wow! So you you wow! You never went to like a, a clinic or anything. You just cold turkey basically in in meetings. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> yeah, I just kind of just kind of shut it off and uh, kind of muscled through. Uh, you know, it's not easy, man. I mean, it was, it was pretty crazy. You go through some crazy stuff. Yeah, but, uh, like the with uh, I assume the withdrawals from the alcohol must have been insane for that first. What is it like? How long does those last? A couple of weeks? Yeah, they say about a week. Okay. Um, you know, I never really, I, you know, it's weird. It was more of like the mental for me. It was more of just the wanting to and like, how can I not be doing this? Like, this is crazy. I just want to go back, you know, right. and just, you know, what's I can fix anything. Maybe I'll just change, you know, I'll just alter the way I do things. But I knew that wasn't possible, you know, at that point. So I just kind of said, yeah, all right. So, yeah, so I just ended up... Uh, Kind of taking it, it literally. I know it's kind of cliche, but just kind of taking it day at a time. Just you know, kind of trying to make better decisions, fixing things, and everything instantly got better. Like I mean, really, everything started to change. I told all my friends what I was doing, and all my friends, uh, I said, "Listen, this is what I'm doing for a reason. So you got to get my back. Make sure you block for me. Don't let me do anything stupid." And all my friends did. 
Wow. Like, I would still hang out. We'd still go to the bar, but I would just eat and drink soda. And, and they were just wouldn't let me do it. They would actually be very vocal about it. Like, this guy's not drinking anymore. He can't drink anymore. <laughs> like, that kind of stuff. And, uh, and that helped. Uh, and, you know, and eventually, and things got better. But, like, you know, but all, all the bad things, all the, you know, paying the piper didn't happen until later. Huh. Like, you know, it was a few years later that I had to fix the real things about real life. Uh, that really put me through the ringer, uh, and it all the bad shit didn't happen until I was sober. Like you know, <laughs> so, wow. So you know, what, like having to having to really you know pay for what you did, and you know really come to terms with you know what happened, and really fix those real life things. Like you know, going back to having to try to get your license back, uh, to you know pay things off, to you know kind of talk to some people and apologize. And, you know, fix things with your parents and, you know, that, that kind of stuff. Wow. And, and, and then things, and then obviously things get progressively better. Right. Right. But right. yeah, but I mean, but yeah, but you then, you know, all the, all the horrible shit, you, you give yourself credit. You're like, Oh man, doing so well. How can all these bad things be happening? And you're like, well, no, you're actually fixing everything. Right. You need to feel this way. Like this is what should have happened earlier. Right. And now you're just doing all that. So yeah. So that, but you know, but ultimately, you know, great decision. It's, uh, you know, it, everything has changed. And, you know, and things took, I went in a whole, 100% different direction. Just, oh, my God, things started to go in such a different way. Hmm. So, and, and, and that helped. Yeah. I, I can't believe how good things are. So now I want to ask you what made you decide to, what, when and then what made you decide to walk the Appalachian Trail? Ah, uh, yes. Um, well, uh, I had always been doing, I had always been doing sections, um, since I'm about 13. I've always, and New Jersey, New York, Connecticut, uh, Pennsylvania, I've always, with the Boy Scouts, I, I've always done section. Um, actually, uh, do you remember Todd Russell? Yes. Yep. Todd, uh, Todd and I were actually pretty big hikers. We did, with the Boy Scouts, we did quite a bit, um, and would always do sections of the AT together. Okay. Um, and, uh, I was, I had always, you know, I was like, this is so awesome. I really love it out there, you know, and I wonder what the other states are like, because I knew it did 14 states when Georgia and Maine. And literally I was sitting, you know, Kirsten and I, my wife and I, Kirsten would do, uh, we would do sections together and we would do little bits and pieces here and there, weekends, you know, four days here and there. And, and a couple of buddy, more and more and more, I was doing it and I got more and more at the hiking. You know, I was doing more and more on my own, it would just disappearing into the woods by myself for days, you know, and then I was sitting around the house, you know, with, with my wife, she wasn't my wife then, but sitting around and I just said, what do you think? I was like, do you mind if I do the whole thing? She was like, no, that'd be awesome. She's like, that's so cool. And I was like, yeah, I was like, I'm going to give it a try. So literally, and I was doing that in 2003, like January of 2003, I was like, you know what? I'm going to think I'm going to do this in 2004. I was like, maybe a year from now, that's when I'm going to start. And I said, and she was like, yeah, I'll help you. She's like, I'll keep you supplied. She's like, I'll, I'll do what I need to do. She's like, we'll get you ready to go. And she's like, you do it. That's so cool. And I was like, great. And I had already asked her to marry me. And when I, you know, when she said, you know, definitely I'll help you. And I, you know, it's okay with you being away for six months. I was like, this is quality. Right. I was like, this is going to be, this is going to be awesome. And, uh, and I, I really just, I, I'm just, I'm really happy out there. I mean, I, I'm, cause I still go back and I do sections now. You know, okay. Even if I haven't, I haven't done it, I still go back and still go back and do sections. Like I just got back from a big section of Vermont in New Hampshire and, uh, and that, and it just kind of, it kind of led me to do it. So literally I, I ended up like quitting uh, the jobs that I had and I took a full-time job at an, uh, an outdoor outfitter, um, 
And eventually I took that job in order to supply myself by getting pro deals and discounts. And, and I started working at this shop to get myself supplied and with everything that I needed, you know, and, uh, and then I literally just turned around and, and I said, listen, I quit. I'm going to IPAT. I'm sorry. And he was like, all right. And I got a bunch of people to sponsor me for gear. So I got free stuff from a lot of different companies. And, uh, and the guy was like, this is awesome. You know? And like, so I told him I was quitting and I was still going to work there for a couple of months before I left. So it was kind of like, I used that as part of my sales pitch. You know, this is what I'm doing. I would recommend these things. And then, and eventually I just got in a plane, flew down to Atlanta and I had my cousin who lives down there, drive me up to the, to the star point and started. Okay. So it starts all the way in Georgia. Wow. Yep. Yeah, yeah, it's just a, it's north of Atlanta. It's re, it's about maybe seventy miles from the border with North Carolina. Okay, and then how many states does it go through? Fourteen. Fourteen. Okay, and ends up in Vermont. You said is that right? Uh, no, it ends in Maine. Oh, in Maine. Oh, wow. Holy shit! Yeah, I didn't goes, realize it went that high. <laughs> yeah, it goes all the way up to northern Maine, and it's uh, it, it, there's about 150 trail miles in uh, in Maine. Goes all the way up to the north, um, and it's you know in the vicinity of Bangor. Okay. Okay. And then, so when, what month did you start again? I started March 5th. Okay. Okay. And did you do that? Um, like, why did you choose that month versus like July or versus September? Well, because I knew it was going to be a five to six month journey. Uh, and I wanted to follow the good weather. Okay. Um, if, if you go down south, even in the mountains, you're going to have some snow for the first month or so. Okay. Um, you know, as you get up to the higher elevations of Georgia, North Carolina, Tennessee. Um, but just looking at it, that was a good way to start where you could, you know, as you get north, you're going to hit spring and summer as you get into the, into, you know, the mid Atlantic states, you know, and, you know, because like there's 500 trail miles in Virginia, that takes about a month. And then, and then you get up to, you know, and then you get up to Pennsylvania, you know, Maryland, Pennsylvania, and then New Jersey, New York. Uh, and then eventually I would have the end of the summer to do all those northern states where we would kind of be approaching fall and it would be just within the corridor of the good weather. Got it. Got it. So how, wait, so how many miles total is this? Uh, 2,200. <laughs> oh, my oh my God. This is so, some people are crazy. Yeah, <laughs> or as, it, or as my mother likes to say, white people are crazy. <laughs> yeah, and you know, and we are. And, and we are. And it's, uh, but I'll tell you, man, it's, uh, it's, social environment out there I and mean, there's a lot of people doing what you're doing wow um, you know there's there's a good amount of people i mean i probably about about three thousand people attempt every year you know at start and some people are only out there to do section some people start don't finish some people get hurt some people decide not to do it you know that type of thing and there you know there's only a, a brush you know there's about 30 percent of the people actually do the whole thing the way they're supposed to so is there um, actually a trail throughout the whole thing or is yes. oh there is Continuously, yes, oh. it is marked by white uh, white markings on on trees and rocks and things, and they're kind of like channel markers. You stay in between that, and there's obviously a beaten uh, trail. Yes, path been walked, so you you know where the trail is. Okay, okay, so so it's you not need a compass or anything. Okay, like oh, you do not. No. Ah, okay. Just keep following the white markings, and you're only going north. You know, it, you know, make sure make sure the sun's in the right place, and you're going the right way. Wow. Okay. Okay. So you're never like climbing over logs and never like. Oh no! You no! Yes, you are. That trail will take you over. You know, rock formations, the logs, trees. There's stuff that's all over the place. You you are. You're you're cutting through. Oh, okay. But, but there is a but there is a way. That, you know, you, 
go. Like, you know, and it's and it's kind of well marked for you because it's a, it's a protected national. It's almost a national park. Like that that whole trail is protected national. Wow. Wow. So yeah, but it and it takes you through, you know, uh, I mean in the south when you when you're doing uh, when you're doing Georgia, North Carolina, Tennessee, that's where the highest point on the trail is. Okay. So it takes you up into these mountains, you know, up in, in Tennessee and North Carolina that are crazy. You go through, you know, a lot of national parks and you know there's a, there's a lot of wildlife and um, there's a lot of it, it, but it's but let me, don't get me wrong, man, it's very social. Like there was a group of people that I was with because you're going at the same pace. Right. So you're always around the same people. So I, I hiked with, you know, like three other guys, a guy from a guy from Virginia Beach, a guy from England, a guy from Minnesota and, and me. And we ended up just kind of uh, just kind of st- sticking together. And, you know, when we need to take off, take a day off, we take a day off together in a, in a town. Did a lot of hitchhiking, um, you know, from the trail when it would cross a road to certain towns to go resupply. I would send boxes. Um, ahead of myself to certain post offices for general delivery. And I would say, and that box would have another, you know, seven days worth of food, you know, and then I would just hike seven days, hike to a road, hitchhike to the post office, resupply, hitchhike uh, back to the trail. Oh, I got you. I send got another you. box forward to another town, another 150 miles north and just get to that. Uh, and that way you don't have to carry all that weight on you. You just, that's right. Oh, uh, interesting. I mean, I only did about thirty. I, I did about thirty pounds on my back all the time. I, I kept it. I was a minimalist. I, I really kept it very small. I didn't really carry too much stuff. So, what is on your back? Like, what do you what do you carry? Yeah, so you get your uh, now in the winter months. You know, obviously when you're when you're in March, April, even May, when you're going to be in elevation, you start with a sleeping bag. Uh, you start with a uh, sleeping pad, which is an inflatable uh, thermarest mattress that you know keeps you up off the cold ground. Um, that type of thing. Um, I had a single man, very simple tent uh, that I had for myself. Um, I had a uh, a stove. Um, uh, a stove, you know. You know, did, you know oh, I see. It's it's I, like isobutane. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you know, I had I had one bowl. Um, you know, a, a metal bowl that I boiled water in. You know, and used for eating and multi-purpose small utensils that you use. I you know I had a you know I had a, a utility knife that I used for myself. And then just your your clothes and food. Wow. And that that's pretty much it, man. I mean, I wore the same clothes every day. Didn't take a shower for three weeks at a time. You know, just kind of jumped in the lake. You know, jumped in the stream. Kind of washed myself in streams and stuff. Oh just kind of did that. It's like that you're traveling. It's like the three most awful smelling people on the planet. <laughs> uh, dude, I mean, and it really, really is. I mean, we would, you know, when you'd come on, when you'd hitchhike, you know, you'd say like, you know, you look for the pickup trucks, and they'd be like, dude, getting back. <laughs> and you just get in the flatbed and they just drop you off because they're like, you stink. And you did. You, you stunk to high health. It was, it's awful. I mean, but you get used to it though, you know. And, and I was taking, uh, in the in the summer months, I was taking garlic pills to kind of keep the bugs away. Oh, interesting. Scent. Does that really and, work? Yeah. Get out of here. Sure. Absolutely. I mean, you're going to stink a garlic, man. I mean, it's going to be bad, but who cares when you stink in the woods? Yeah, right. yeah, true, true. I always wonder, because, yeah, it makes your sweat stink, but I always wonder, does it really keep the bugs away? So it does. It does, yeah, because it kind of masks, because, you know, because the bugs are attracted to the CO2 that's emitted from your pores, and when that's mixed in, it kind of masks the CO2 a little bit, you know, oh, so they, they're just not as attracted to you, and it's also a little bit of a deterrent, you know, they kind of want to stay, it's a repellent, they right. want to stay away from that. Right, right. Uh, but you also take on the, the also funny thing that you wouldn't you wouldn't realize that um, when you're out there, you start off using your name. You start off, you know, hey, I'm John or whatever, that kind of thing. But eventually you're given, you're supposed to be given a trail name when you're out there. 
You take on another existence, oh uh, and, it's, and you're given it by somebody else. You're not supposed to name yourself. Uh, it's supposed to happen along the way. And uh, like there, one my very good friend, the guy that I hiked most of the time with, it, he he was a very big dude, and he looked like Hoss from Bonanza. And we were sitting around a campfire one night, and I was like, "You really do, man." And we said, "That's your trail name, man. You're going to be Hoss." <laughs> and he was like, "That's cool, whatever." Um, <laughs> there another guy. Uh, his name was James Dunn, and we called him James the Traveling Dunn. He was in England, so we called him Dunny. Uh, that was him. Uh, another guy, like two days into the hike, like he fell down and busted his knee open, and he had this huge bruise and cut. And he was hobbling all over the place. We called him Wounded Knee. He was knee. Uh, mine is a mine that I got was a little more um, interesting, uh, which is embarrassing, actually. Uh, I was sitting around in North Carolina in a place called Blue Mountain. And I was sitting around the campfire uh, in the day. I built a fire just to stay warm because it was cold still. And uh, I was soaking bread in honey and uh, just letting it saturate into there and then putting peanut butter and making like triple decker, you know, honey soaked peanut butter filled things and then cooking them over the fire to make it crispy. Mm. And which is very, a lot of calories, a lot of calories, protein, you know, and it's really sweet and really tastes really good. And this family walks by while I'm sitting with my buddies and this girl, 13 years old, she's like, what are you, what are you doing? She's like, what are you making honey pies? (laughs) And I was like, nah, I just like soap sandwiches. And my buddy looks over me and goes, (laughs) that's your trail name. And I was like, no, 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 guys, come on, no, seriously, like, come on, that's stupid. And, and he's like, dude, are you kidding me? He's like, that couldn't happen more naturally than anything else. He's like, that's crazy. He's like, come on, you named us. He's like, we're going to name your ass. And I was like, okay. He's like, your name is Honey Pie. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? I was like, come on, dude. I was like, that's horrible. And he's like, I'm sorry, man. And then, like, people sitting around were like, hey, Honey Pie, like, all that shit. And I was like, fuck you guys. Like, it's terrible. But then eventually it stuck, man, and I was Honey Pie. Oh. thought I was a girl for a long time because we didn't have cell phones on the trail at the time because this was 04 so it wasn't really everybody left their phones at home like people didn't use it like they did today there wasn't like you know lte and all that shit like that so like you'd leave when you get to every once in a while in um in the woods there's also like these little like lean tubes that are every 25 30 miles or whatever and people would use that as like little shelters at night and so, and it's got like a wood floor and there's a fire pit outside and it's open to the elements, but it's like a roof over your head. And, uh, and we would congregate at those at night and there's a trail journal in that, uh, you know, register at every single place. So you would like leave notes for people behind you. So, you know, you communicate with these registers, you know, for people behind you or whatever. And I would sign in every single time and I'd write something down or how, what I did today, you know, what happened. And, uh, and then I would sign it at the bottom. And then like later on, like miles later, days later, a group of guys would show up and they're like, where's this honey pie girl, man? Like, I'm like, I'm on fire. Are you fucking kidding me, man? Like, 25 miles a day trying to catch up with the girls because there's no girls out here. Uh, like, I'm like, sorry guys, i That is awesome. That is awesome. So, so. there's something fu- funny about that is I um I just started this documentary yesterday. It's Jim Carrey, and it's a documentary about him when he did um he did that movie, and I can't remember the name of the movie where uh, oh, the Eternal Sunshine. No, the other one where he's on TV the whole time. Oh no 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 no! Sorry, it's not that one. It's um, it's the one where he is Andy Kaufman. Oh, man on the moon. Yes, yes. So 
in this documentary, what it is is they take he was recording video at the same time that they were filming this whole thing. And he ended up, I think after the second day of shooting, just deciding I'm Andy Kaufman and acted like him the entire time. Like when he was shooting, when he was not shooting, when he got, got up from sleeping all the, yeah, the entire time. Character. And it, he said it got so surreal because there were folks there like uh, Danny DeVito and other guys who knew Kaufman. And they started treating him like Kaufman. And so it, it was such an interesting, um, it, it was so interesting how when you decide something or when, when you take take a name, you become that. So I'm wondering for Honey Pie, did you like now when somebody calls you and they're like, hey, Honey Pie, does it put you in that state? Like, is there a different mind space for that it guy? It does. It does. Whenever I go, whenever I go back out there. Uh, and you know, I'll go like this most recent one. I was out for five days and, uh, and I refer, and you know, because everybody else has got a name, I refer to myself as Honey Pie because that's my trail name forever. That will be my trail name. And I don't care how embarrassing it is. That's my name. Um, and obviously it got abbreviated over time. People call me HP after a while, like the close, my guys, the the guys around me, like my guy friends, you know, because they didn't want to say a Honey Pie, you know, it's kind of goofy, (laughs) you know, kind of girly. So it was just kind of HP after a while. But like, you know, I, you know, I kind of jump into that persona back into that hiker mode. And like when you're out there for more than two days, you start to get back into the, the funk and the stink and the, you know, the grit and the grime and the, you know, the, you know, the pain and the, the rain and the discomfort and everything. And you start to get back into that persona again. And I certainly do. And when I talk to the, I still keep in touch with the guys that I hike with. And like, so he'll, you know, Hoss will call me and be like, HP, what's up, man? I'm like, hey, what's up, Hoss? What's going on? You know, and, we'll, and people are like, what are you talking? And people here, they're like, "What the hell are you talking about? What the hell are these people?" And I'm like, "Yeah, don't worry about it." I was like, "It's just, you know, we've just developed these nicknames. It just it sticks for the rest of our life. It's kind of funny." That's awesome. And well, you know, and I'll visit these people, you know, and hang out. And this guy lives down in uh, he lives down in uh, Gainesville, Georgia now, and I, I'll go down there every once in a while, and we'll be sitting around and we'll be referring to each other. Like, we'll we'll be around his friends. He'll be like. Hey, speed man, listen, you want to get something here? We're going to head over here. And I'm like, yeah, sure. Or like yelling at them, I'm like, hey, Hoss. You know, and like people are like, where the hell are you? Like, where, why is he calling you that? And, you know, it's just, it's very, it's very odd. But, but it's an experience. You yeah. know, it's, it's very cool. It really just changed things for you. And it certainly ruins the way, it ruins hiking for you because now that's the only way you know how to go hiking. Anymore. Right. It's all your, you know, because I'm used to doing 25 miles a day, you know, and then yeah. you go hiking with Gorilla. And, you know, we're six miles in. He's like, holy shit, man. Where, where are we stopping yet? I'm like, are you kidding me? 19 more miles, brother. Like, you know, and like, go, you know. Dude, it's crazy. And start, you know, and then we start fighting and yelling. Oh, my God. So explain to all the minorities that will be listening to this, what is the attraction to hiking or to, to walking the Appalachian Trail? What is that attraction? I don't get it. Yeah, well, the, the attraction for me is I really enjoy the uh, the changes in the in the scenery out there. You really go through every single landscape you can think of. You go through, you know, boulder fields to farmland to you know to ridge walking, you know, up and over mountains. The the views you come across are fantastic. The people that are out there are just like you. Um, I'm a little bit of an amateur geologist. Uh, I really enjoy the East Coast, you know, and uh, and its formations and the geology is there. The nature is fantastic. You're running into bears, you're running into deer, you see the weird animals and glow-in-the-dark mushrooms and glow-in-the-dark salamanders at night. And 
you know, porcupines and, you know, just weird things you would never see all the time. Mm. Um, and also it's that it's, it's also exercise for me. Uh, I, I get that hiker high right. you know, from hiking. Um, it's a challenge, you know, you, it, it'll humble you. It, uh, you know, it, no matter how good you are at hiking or backpacking, it still beats the hell out of you and makes you and challenges you every single time. It makes you think you have to be smart. You know, you have to use your head out there to make sure to get the mileage you want to do. You have to, you know, how to find water and stuff when you're out of water and dehydrated, you know, how to, how to find water the right way, what to listen for, what to look for. There's a feeling of, of self-sufficiency right. out there, you know, I feel you get a feeling of, of accomplishment, you know, when you're out there as well. And really just being in the woods, like I, I really, some of the solitude, you know, just being by yourself mm. in your own thoughts, right. you know, listening to music and, and just kind of doing your thing and then not listening to music and just listening to, you know, the woods around you. It's, it's peaceful, but then again, it's chaotic at the same time, you know, and, and to, to realize like, and it kind of puts me in the, in the, uh, frame of mind of explorers and you know pioneers and people who you know who, who didn't know the terrain who were doing this before you and the history that you're walking through when you go from south to north you walk through all the south and the civil war and then as you get north you're walking through revolutionary war and the war of 1812 and you know and you go through a lot of towns you know and all of a sudden that you'll arrive at a road and, and the trail will take you on a road and you'll have to cut through the town to get to the other side to get back to the woods and you walk through and people are staring at you, you know, and, you know, that type of thing. And people are like, you know, and, and now the towns around the trail, they get, they get kind of, you know, cater to hikers, you know, so they kind of know. Right. Uh, and I met a lot of good people. Like I had a lady in Tennessee, I had a lady pull over while I was crossing the road. It just happened. She was like, she beeps her horn. She's like, Hey, you hiking the trail? And I was like, yeah. She's like, get in. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so I got it. You know, it's just whatever. She was like, listen, uh, she's like, you want to, you want to go get something to eat? And I was like, yeah, I do. I was like, because you're always hungry. Yeah. And uh, and she was just like, uh, yeah, she took me to an all-you-can-eat seafood buffet and just was like, and I was like, so I went to go get her money. She was like, no, no, no. She was like, just do this for somebody someday. Wow. She's like, do, do the same thing. And, I, and that happened several times for me. In the middle of the woods, there will be a, a, a cooler, you know, like change with tree that's got Gatorade and bananas and oranges and apples and granola bars and stuff like that. And it's called Trail Magic. And, um, and it just says, you know, hey, I hiked trail in, in 1998. You know, here's a bunch of stuff for you. Pay it forward, like that kind of stuff. Wow. And, that's awesome. And people on the side of the road, people like at parking lots, little parking areas that, that go into hiking areas, people will just sit at their cars with like pizza and just, <laughs> you know, give stuff away to you and stuff. And I've gone back and done the same thing after the draw. I've gone back and done the same thing in New York, New Jersey. I've done that waiting for the hikers to come through and just giving them stuff and it's yeah and that's and that's the that's the attraction and that's the enjoyment and also it gets a little addictive after a while once you start doing it you want to do it that way right and 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 i do and even out here in colorado i do i do the same thing i try to hike out here and experience different things different terrain you know but i have a connection The, the east coast forest is different than the west coast forest and and the central states like it's it's an old growth forest it smells different you know it's green you can smell the soil and I have a connection to it. It reminds me of being a kid. It reminds right. me when I was 13 starting out. You know, and it's, I have a nice nostalgic feeling out there and it makes me feel good. Mm. I, that, that's the, that's the lore. That's what I like. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Got it. So, so now tell, tell us about the bear story. <laughs> <laughs> a couple different.
different bear stories. Oh, man. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, no, several, uh, several. There, there was well, my first bear experience. I literally had stopped just on the on a ridge line, and it was really foggy, and it was just you know misty all around me, and it was cold. And I stopped, and I I literally just cooked up some pasta, like just to get some food, some warm food in me. And I I was drinking, you know, I would just heat up water, drink hot water, like just to get some warm in me. And I was always hiking in shorts, you know, so things were always a little bit chilly, you know, in the in the upper elevations. And all of a sudden, I smelled that smell of animal, and you smell like bears freaking stink, you know. And I and I was like, oh, and all of a sudden, I heard like the huff and the puff, like you, because they they kind of like. Like when they're walking and you hear that all the time. And I heard it getting closer and I couldn't see it through the fog and know where it was. And then I turned around and that bear was right up on me, right behind me, about like a 300 pound black bear. <laughs> right behind me has rolled up to me. And with black bear, there's a different way to handle black bear than grizzly. You know, they're a little less aggressive. Uh, and if they're coming up on you, they're looking for food and they're really just curious. Um, and I just kind of, you know, I, turned around and I was kind of face to face by about six feet. And I just started to talk to it. I was just like, Hey, you doing, Mr. Bear. I was like, you know, we're cool. It's your forest, man. I'm just passing through. And I was like, you know, I don't, I don't mean any harm. And I really was talking to it out loud. Just like you're supposed to speak softly. And I was, and, and I just slowly started to pack my stuff. And, and then I didn't make eye contact for a while. I put myself, you know, behind it, you know, around a tree. So I had something in between us just in case. Yep. And it came up to me and it sniffed my bag. And my heart was crazy. It was beating like crazy. And I didn't, I was all excited to know what was going to happen. And then, and it, it kind of chuffed at me and kind of lifted its head and was sniffing me out and then walked around the side and kept circling me. And I was like, this isn't good. And I literally just kind of turned my back and I started to walk away and it stayed there. It didn't fall. Oh my and, then, goodness. And, then I, and then I went away. But I mean, that was, that was my first one. And I was a little crazy. I was like, holy shit. And then when I, and then when I went down the trail, three of her cubs were up in the tree just above me. Oh shit. So I was like, Oh no. I was like, that could have been bad. I was like, so, and then I just kind of picked up the pace and kind of kept going. Um, it was another, there was another time in Pennsylvania where literally I just was hiking all fast and my headphones on and I was just, you know, bopping and I hiked with poles and I was, you know, up and around and I turned the corner and there was a bear staring right. I just like almost collided with it. I was like, Jesus. I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> like, you know, and, and, and just staring at me and it kind of, it kind of got up a little on its back legs a little just to kind of sniff the air and get a look at me. And it kind of took two steps for me and I kind of made a break for it. I, I, I started to run a little bit. And it didn't chase. And then it kept following me. It followed me for about a mile. For a just, mile? Yeah, just kept kept walking alongside me in the woods. And I kept hearing it. And I kept seeing it every once in a while. And then I disappeared down low, come back up. And there it was actually on the trail following me. <laughs> but it wasn't running. So I was like... No, I because they can, they can run like 35 miles an hour, right? They, Absolutely. Yeah. They're, you know, they're not... You know, they're a little more agile. They have... Uh, their claws are different than grizzly. They're they're kind of curled, more like crampons, uh, good for climbing. Um, and eventually, I saw it, uh, you know, go up to a tree and climb a tree, and it just climbed a tree and and was up in the tree, just kind of stayed there on the branches, and I kept moving. Um, oh. I had uh, I had porcupines in the middle in, in the middle of the night come up to my tent, take my food bag, and drag my food bag away. <laughs> Uh, you know, so what the fuck, man? You know, so going up and throwing shit at it because I don't want to get, you know, they can actually shoot their quills if they if they want to. So that is true. They can shoot them. 
Yep, they can they can actually you know detach and be moved towards you. No, it's not like you know a gun or anything like that. But yeah. I, I was just being careful, and you don't want those because that can get infected. You know, you yeah. don't want those those needles. In. So I was just I was trying to get away. So I literally ended up just kind of throwing my pack at it and eventually drop my my food bag. Um, there's a big thing with mice. Like if you're if you're staying in a, a shit one of these lean tos one of the shelters. Um, the mice can chew through your bag and mice will run over you while you're sleeping, oh, over your sleeping bag, sometimes yeah. go in your sleeping bag. Oh, People my God. Out by that. I never had a big deal with it, but there was plenty of that. Um, I had uh, actually I, I actually got attacked by wild boar um, <laughs> in, in North Carolina. That was actually the, the one thing where there was actually a little bit of like, oh, yeah, supposedly they're, they're super, yeah. yeah, super aggressive and they grow tusks and stuff. That's yep. Oh, I was filtering water. I was filtering water out of a out of a out of a stream, and I heard big rustle, and it was a whole family of them. Like, and it was you know a bunch of males and a bunch of females and a bunch of and a bunch of piglets, I guess, uh, just kind of you know running at me, and they ran right through, and they came in the water, and they kind of surrounded me, and they bumped me on my leg, and like started like surround me a little bit, and they were trying to, and they he was using his tusks to get into my bag that I had rested next to me because I kind of separated myself a little. And, uh, and they, and they, they're making a lot of noise or squealing at you and, and stuff. And you're like, Whoa, you know, that was, that was pretty, that was a little weird. Cause I didn't really know exactly what was going to happen. I didn't know, you know, how do I defend myself? Do I just, you know, I had my knife and I was like, do you just start stabbing the pigs? I'm like, is that it? Like, you know, and, and eventually they just kind of were like digging through the water and I picked my pack up, put it on and then you just sit around squealing and I just kind of backed away. Wow. But that was, that was a little weird. <laughs> Yeah, and there's some funky people out there too, man. I mean, there there have been a few murders out there. There have been a few weirdos. People you know, break out of prison and lose themselves in the Appalachian Trail with the through hikers, that type of stuff. Wow. And we had a couple guys who were a little weird out there that you did, you know would show up at a shelter and start talking funny, you know, and you're like, ah, let's get out of here. Let's oh keep, my god. You know, like that type of stuff. You come across those people, but for the most part, everything. I mean, I never felt more safe in my life. I mean. I, there was no firearms. I didn't bring a gun. Like no one really has that out there. It's not really like that. Okay. Um. Yeah. But uh. But yeah. No. It's 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 a great experience. Great great place out there. And that's what I mean. And you you have some unusual experiences, which is pretty cool. Hmm. You know. I just and that that's what I like about. And and still today, when I go out there, you, you still do. Like I was doing twenty miles a day. You know, a couple months ago, just kind of moving along. Got a lot of great people out there. And I took a guy I would never hike it before out. He got a chance to do it. We went up and over Killington. Uh, in Vermont, oh, yeah. that mountain, yep. which Been is up there. really beautiful. Right? Yep. It's, you're hiking over where you ski in the winter. Yeah, exactly. Which is pretty cool. Yeah, it, it's just beautiful out there. And, and I'll probably be doing it for the rest of my life. I'm trying to, I've pretty much redone the entire trail almost. I'm, I'm up into the north again, having done in sections for the last 14 years, done everything uh, uh, since. And now I'm, I'm headed up to finish it yet again, just doing it in sections. Oh my God. <laughs> And there are two more trails like that. There's the Pacific, the Pacific Crest Trail that's in, that's on the on the West Coast, and there's one the Continental Divide Trail that goes from uh, from Mexico, New Mexico, all the way up to Canada and Montana. So there's two more trails out there that if I want to, I can take a crack at. Oh, interesting. So that that would be interesting. That that the last one that you mentioned, the the terrain will be like more desert, I would assume, down south and a lot drier. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah, absolutely no water. Like it's terrible. <laughs> yeah, it so sounds like know, you love I mean, terrible though. This, I mean, me just having the mouse in my sleeping bag—that's it. 
We're calling it a wrap. That's it. I'm done. <laughs> yeah, people do. There are people that lose it out there. Yeah. You know, just like, why would you want to do this? Oh, my God. You know, like that. And you do. And you go through times where you're where you're like, what am I doing? You know, this is stupid. You know, wait, you know, this is ridiculous. Why would you want to put yourself through this crap? You know? And what they say is no pain, no rain, no main. That's yeah. what they say. Uh, uh. So you just got to put yourself through it. You got to keep telling yourself. You got to keep yourself happy, too. You know, you have, to, yeah. you have to eat, take a day off, relax, you know, talk to your wife, talk to your girlfriend, you know, that stuff. And make friends out there. And I did. I mean, I, I came to probably about 300 people wow. that I interacted with. And I still talk to some of them today and go back and read about and remember. And just it's really cool. Awesome. Everybody's got different names. They really have. But. Yeah. <laughs> so we... Yeah, Beautiful place, man. It's just, yeah, I'll, and I will. I'll be doing it as long as I can. That's awesome. There because it's such a such a great uh, great place to be. And you, and you you know, there's a bunch of national parks you go through, which are beautiful anyway. You know, which is really nice. Shenandoah, uh, Great Smoky Mountain. Yep. You know, a lot of places in the north too, which are which are really beautiful. Mm, that's amazing. Amazing. We've been speaking for between the three interruptions about two hours. So bef- okay. before we wrap, though, I have some questions that the gorilla has given to me that he wants you to answer and that he will answer separately. And I'll probably do some sort of mashup for the questions. So let me see from the list, which ones? (laughs) Anne-Marie Makeout. Ah, of course. Yeah, I thought he'd bring that up. Okay. Anne-Marie Makeout, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, Anne-Marie was a, uh, I'm going to speak freely here. I mean, I know we've used the name, but I mean, I'm sure she knows what she is. <laughs> she was, um, she was a beautiful, big breasted girl in my grade who was, uh, uh, just so interesting to me. So beautiful to me. I was infatuated with, uh, she actually was in the color guard. Okay. Oh, okay. Uh, I think I remember her now. Okay. It, yeah, no, there was a girl in Color Guard named Marie, and it's definitely not her, because she was uh, not so beautiful. <laughs> okay. Uh, so let's not confuse that, but we'll just, it, it was the hotter one, just so you know. Yep. Uh, anyway, so Anne-Marie uh, was, uh, you know, she was kind of like a, a hippie girl, too. She was kind of in with the hippie girls that were in our in our group, uh, especially in the, in the musical scene, especially with marching band and all that stuff. And we would spend a lot of time together on buses. We would spend a lot of time in the stands cheering on musical competition for Marching Band and all that stuff and we spent a lot of time together. And she she was just really cool to me. And she was very always very nice. And uh we, we had a couple of classes together which is which is really, really cool. And um we um you know Jimmy was familiar with her too we was friends with some of her friends and they would end up hanging together, you know, kind of partying, smoking weed, hanging out in the house, that kind of stuff. And um I never really felt uh, like there was any competition. I'd never really pursued Anne-Marie romantically at all. I never, you know, asked her how she, she was kind of a loner. She wasn't really dating anybody, you know, and I would just, I kind of like befriended her and I started spending a lot of time with her, um, you know, just as a friend, you know, but obviously I wanted more, but I was kind of stuck in the friend zone and, and, you know, and which was fine. I was kind of happy with that because I was, I, I, I kind of had been dating somebody at the, I kind of had a girlfriend, but I, I had this strong crush on uh, Anne-Marie and I was also, uh, 
willing to cheat on my girlfriend if that would come up. I had no problem with that. <laughs> uh, because it's high school. Who cares? Yeah, like, yeah. You know, we're not married, you know, whatever. So anyway, so there was there were times where so now before we get to the actual uh, makeout thing, um, I, I uh, knew that we we both thought that she was hot. We were always talking about stuff like that, but it was always just two guys talking about girls. No big deal. It wasn't like you know, I never had. I never said, "Hey, listen, I'm going to try to pursue this." We always just commented, and that was fun. We always we just lust after girls together, having a good time. Guy, um, and then Amory and I started to um, have some classes together, and as uh, you know, high school guys do looking to impress girls. Um, I started to, um, I found out that she was into poetry and she would, uh, she would like to, to write her own poetry and read. And we were actually in a class together where poetry came into play and we had to compose our own uh, poetry at one point. And uh, so it was, you know, I was always like, whenever it came time to read and, and like talk about poetry, I would try to be as philosophical and like, you know, intuitive about that stuff as I could, try to be as deep as I could, trying to impress Anne-Marie all the time. And I think she kind of got in her head. She knew that I kind of liked her, and it was a little awkward at times, but whatever. She uh, came over to my house with another girl for lunch one time, and I read some of my poetry to her around other people, and she gave me positive feedback about it, so I started to feel good about myself. So we had a communication class. Uh, which said that you had to directly um, engage one of your classmates and uh, and tell the truth and uh, be as positive and affirming as you could be as a, a part of our communications class. So everybody got up and said, hey, you've been my friend for a long time. This, that, you're a great person. You're a great athlete, blah, 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 blah. And then it came time for me. And I knew this was coming, and I put together like pretty much like – expressing my true love for Anne-Marie in front of the whole class. <laughs> and I got the balls off to, to read this, which was somewhat sexual. I don't know what the hell I was thinking. Like, and it was, you know, was trying to be as deep as I could. And it, it was so bad. <laughs> what are you doing? And I got up in front of the class and I singled her out and I said, you know, you're this, you're that, you're so beautiful, you're so kind, and it was rhyming, and, you know, all this crap, and it was, and it pretty much just showed, like, and it wasn't, like, direct, like, I love you, but it was, like, explaining all the things I, I loved about her, and how beautiful she was, and, you know, and I even think I used metaphor to mention her tits, which was a problem, <laughs> you, know, but, uh, you know, but at the same time, I thought I was being, you know, adventurous, and I thought I was, I was ballsy, and I was trying to be straightforward, I thought I was going to impress her, and she started crying as she ran out of the class. And I was like, oh, no. And, like, her friends, like, ran out to go console her. Like, and I, and I didn't know if those were tears of, like, joy or were you embarrassed? I didn't know what it was, you know. So I, so I have that issue. And I tried to hang out with her as much as I could. So now, me and I, I don't know who is, another friend of ours uh, who is uh, with our group of friends, but the gorilla and I, Ended up um, uh, joining with Jeff, a bunch of people. We all hung out uh, in the village one night, and we're all hanging around. And we were with a bunch of other girls and drinking, smoking pot, having a good time. And we're in the village, and we're all separating. And all of a sudden, 
we you know, were standing around and, and you know i was drinking and you know near the woods by the train station kind of hanging out and i was talking to one of the other girls and we were just having a good time platonically having a good time and then all of a sudden i looked down and me was walking me my friend uh was walking <laughs> with the gorilla uh, down the hill. I can edit and, it uh, all later. Don't sweat it. <laughs> okay, cool. So anyway, the gorilla and Anne Marie are walking down the hill, separated from everybody. And I'm like, what? The, what? And I'm like looking down, and sure enough, I look down. Now they go down to like the bench, like in the woods, like you know, down where they're secluded by themselves. And I was like pretending not to like notice, but I was like kind of catching it the whole time out of my corner of my eye. And I look down, and there he is, and then. He's making out with Amber. He's he's done what I want to do. Like, and he's sitting there going to town. And I was just like, I was didn't know what to do. I was upset. I was embarrassed. I felt I had lost. And I didn't even know that. I was like, really? I was like, I didn't even, how is this working? I was like, I wrote this poem for you. I was like, I spent so much time. Like, I thought this was going to be awesome. And here you are making out with the gorilla. I'm like, God damn it. And literally, I was standing up on top, like of the ridge, watching, walking back and forth, you know, like a like a competing male in the animal kingdom, <laughs> like just dripping from the dick, like just like puffing and puffing, like what the fuck? And sure enough, there he was, and I was so jealous and so just so upset, and like just oh my god, I can't believe this. But I wasn't mad, like I was just like, damn it, it's not working out. I, was, right. I thought this was going to be a lock. And sure enough, he was down there because, you know, he was doing the same thing I was doing. He was trying to be cool, and Gorilla was cool. Right. Like he was. Like, he had that you got he it. Had that effect on her and her friends, and they hang out. They had a little connection with smoking weed and stuff like that, which was cool. And I wanted that, and I was just staring down. He was down there just doing what he wanted to do, and he had succeeded, and I had failed. And I was just up – it was just at the top, just like a – it was like an animal just watching. <laughs> it just I couldn't do it. Wait, so what was the aftermath of the poem like in class and stuff? Like, did it did it change your relationship? Did you guys continue to talk with each other? Or? Yeah, we did actually. She oh, actually, interesting. She actually came up to me and said it was beautiful. Thank you so much. She's like, uh, you know, I don't want to go out with you. She's like, I don't feel that way toward you, but you're a really great guy. And she's like, I know you have a girlfriend, and like, you know, uh, and so she kind of like pulled that card, and yeah. I was like. Yeah, and we continue to, to be friendly. We continue to, to have a, a very good relationship, and I just kind of lost it after right. for the rest of the time, just knowing that I didn't have a chance anymore, and I had totally blown my fucking wad. And, <laughs> you know, and I, I just said, hey, you know what, I tried, and I failed, you know, whatever, God, something I can do about it, you know, and, and I just continued to be friends with her, and, and, you know, and even we graduated together, and we had a, we had a good time together, yep. even like on graduation night, you know, we had a nice conversation, you know, hugs and stuff, and you know, I think maybe we kissed a little bit here and there, you know, but but just uh, but that was it. I mean, I didn't get what I wanted, but yep. you know what? It was it was a good effort on my part. I felt I tried, <laughs> got out there, you know, pulled out the big guns, you know, and uh, you know, sometimes it doesn't work yep. out, but and for some reason, the gorilla didn't write all the poetry. <laughs> Isn't that how it worked? Isn't that how it works? But uh, <laughs> totally got the uh, got the girl ahead of me, and, oh, you know, man. and you know, tip of the cap. You know what do you yeah, do? It's, yeah, there's exactly. nothing you can do. All's fair. Yeah. All right. Second totally story. Been. Second yeah. story for you. Yeah. How do I say this without ruining it? Did you ever have a race in a park with the gorilla, Jefferson Park? 
Yes, we did. Okay. Do you know what I'm talking yes, we about? Did. I, I, of course. It okay. Did. You only have to say is Jefferson. Okay. <laughs> yeah, All right. Yes, Can you please tell your did, your uh, side? Yeah, please tell your side of the story, please. Somewhat of a competition, I guess. Yeah, sure. It, was, it was, certainly was a race. I'll tell you that. <laughs> I was going as fast as I could on that. Um. Anyway, so we had a, a, a group. Our group of guys it was uh, me, the gorilla, uh, Mike, and Jeff, and this guy Matt. Yeah. And uh, we would also we'd always pal around together. We'd go. We you know we you know we would spend a lot of time together. We had drinking, shoot pool, you know, just you know doing things. Uh, actually, three. Well, actually, most of us except for Matt. We're always in music together. We're always in several different musical groups, like, you know, marching band, jazz band, you know, concert band, all that stuff, orchestra, all that stuff. And we were always together. And we would, we, we always had a good time. We were in the same frame of mind. Um, you know, our personalities were, you know, somewhat the same. We were all had, you know, we brought different things to the table. But when we came together, we always had a great time. Yep. And, but you know, the gorilla and I were particularly close and very honest about what always, you know, just always, you know, just tell the truth, you know, even as awkward as horrible it is. And, uh, you know, we would always talk about, uh, you know, jerking off and stuff like that as, as teenagers do. And, uh, we'd always do that. So we eventually called our group of guys, the, uh, E-Jack crew. Uh, and that was our, that was our little, you know, kind of group name, which was, which is kind of fun based on uh, our masturbatory habits in our own home, uh, individually. As, as it were at the time. <laughs> now, moving forward, um, you know, we would always joke about that. And uh, we were drinking uh, in the back of a elementary school, uh, which is probably a crime these days, um, especially what happened later. Uh, but uh, we all were, were talking about girls, sitting around talking about, you know, who we were having sex with or who we wanted to have sex with. And we were just, you know, having that typical teenage guy conversation. And we're sitting there drinking beer and having a good time. And, and you know, it was like the fall. And, you know, it was probably September, October. And we're in the back, and we all, we all came up with the, you know, like a, a competition and a contest, you know. And, and we all decided, like, you know, uh, you know, we'll have a contest. Let's see who can, if we all jerked off in a, in a, in a circle jerk, but in the backward circle jerk, not facing one another. Okay. But, uh, you know. We all jerk off. See so who comes first, and that would be, you know, you'd be crowned the Ejac King, you know, type of idea. Now, I don't know really what the reward was. Yeah, I, I, don't, I still don't know. Uh, but it was something, you know, just as a bunch of fucking horny guys with no girls to bang do, and we just figured we, you know, let out our energies for some reason jerking off as a group in an elementary school. Uh, I don't really know how to explain that, but this is what happened. So we all get together, uh, and we all went to town, and we were all racing as fast as we could, and we were all, you know, trying to get our thoughts together, trying to concentrate and focus, get it all together. And there was somewhat of a tie, uh, I guess you'd say before, uh, between uh, the gorilla and myself. Um, you know, the other guys, I think, quickly kind of gave up, you know, I mean, just realized that it wasn't going to happen. But uh, committed friends, uh, the gorilla and I decided to, to really – kind of hit the finish line as fast as we could and so we're both going to town and you can imagine you know this happening and the shaking you know and the gyration that's happening around you and then you're checking the guy next to you like all right now i'm probably closer than he is like, <laughs> trying to get where we could get to and then finally everything you know comes to fruition as it were and uh, intended. I, I would like to believe that uh, I finished first across the finish line, 
and that I was the one who was victorious. However, uh, you know, we didn't have any referees or spotters at the time. You certainly actually don't want to, you know, visualize or actually be there to actually watch um, because we weren't really going that far. But, you know, we all, as soon as you were done, we're like, we're done. You know, I think you yelled, maybe yelled bingo or Yahtzee or I, I don't know what it was. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and I would like to believe that I was the winner in that competition because I knew I was certainly committed. Uh, but I know that uh, there was a discrepancy. Um, and I know that the gorilla did say oh. that uh, he had uh, crossed, uh, you know, the, uh, the tape just before I did. But, you know, I'm sorry, I got to fight for myself on this one, you know, but yeah, so you find yourself sometimes as a group of teenage guys jerking off in a elementary school uh, schoolyard, uh, which we kept to ourselves, uh, except within our group of guys, but uh, so we, you know, obviously we all knew as the, the, the EJAC crew was then, you know, 100% solidified. Yeah, you definitely solidified it, it yes. <laughs> that was uh, based on a true story. Uh, oh. No longer just something. Oh my yourself. god! I am uh, which sweating. was unusual. Uh, you know, I obviously I don't really share that. Uh, you know, with too many people because it's uh, you know. But for those of, of us who know what happened that night, uh, oh. it was odd, but uh, definitely bad. Oh my god! I, on that, we got to end on that note. That's amazing. We we actually, I I definitely have to get you on again because. You, you're a guy that always basically does what he wants. The way I see it, like you walk the trail for an entire for six months and decide to do that. You decided to completely change your life and become an umpire, which we didn't get into at all. So that's something that I really want to have the chance to get down deep with with you and talk to you about. But this yeah. was this was amazing, amazing. Definitely a pleasure, man. Always, always fun to talk, man. I, I could talk for hours, man. It's, it's so much fun, so many memories. I mean, you you were there for most of it. Man. Oh my I mean, god, I was. I and was. you're still there, which is kind of cool. You know, I mean, not too many people that are still around. That's and, true. I mean, to be able to rehash some of this stuff is uh, it's really really cool. It's awesome. Thank you so much, man. And uh, I'm trying to think of I have so for the next time there are other stories. What I, I was asked to uh, ask you about there is the cocaine tooth story there's oh. there is the uh dog sh- i don't know what this means but dog shit hash story yep, there, yep. that's a good one there is the J- the jb get out of jail story which is <laughs> <laughs> yes there is so we have much more to talk about but thank you very much brother it was awesome talking to you and uh yeah get your ass over to jersey so we can hang man yeah, good stuff, man. I think uh, I, I'm not sure. I mean, I think we're coming back for Christmas, but that's going to be family. Okay. Um, you know, but uh, but yeah, no, definitely. I, I mean, I, I always try to make it back and, and definitely hang out. So, I mean, I'll put something together if it's not. You know, I mean, I'm going to be in South America for most of February, uh, so I don't know if it's going to be before uh, before then. Um, but you know, certainly maybe as we approach the spring, we'll we'll put something together. You know, or I, maybe maybe even before that, I'm not sure. You know, if it presents itself, I'll I'll do it if I can. So. Right on. All right, brother. You have a good day, and thanks very much again. I appreciate it, brother. Thanks, Alman. I'll All talk right. to you, brother. Thank Take you. Take care. Bye bye.